You have to fight him. Fight who? Your doppelganger. Okay. You know... Um, You've cemented yourself as the evil one just by having that thought. Yeah, well, I'm also <laughs> going to cement, cement myself as the one who fucking survives, let me tell you. So you wouldn't ask them questions or anything like that? You I would, would, to lure them into an alley where I could fight them. Right. You're just a violent person. I'm not violent. I rarely get in fights. Except with yourself. Except with myself. Can you guess that we're, we are recording I right know, now? Yeah, I, I shudder to think how long we've been recording, but I guess here we are. Not that long. This is only uh, 38 seconds in. Oh, so we missed some of that good shit. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, the, the real good shit about the Wi-Fi passwords. Welcome to the Let's Fight a Boss cast. I am sitting here with two of the most creative people in the Irish podcasting scene. To my right, I have screenwriter of the 2013 classic How to Train Your Dragon. It's Neve. Oh my God, that's a lie. <laughs> that, film, did that, that didn't come out in 2013. And author of the 2010 mega hit the Secret, a book about unlocking your true potential ordered on Amazon. It's Brian. Um, yeah. And I, with you always, I'm your host, John. A.K.A. Uh, don't. The, the don't. anime man. The, uh, <laughs> I have had enough YouTube drama, please. Don't worry, nobody listens to this podcast. That is true. It's been another two weeks. You listen to episode 46. Yes. Of the Let's Fight a Boss podcast. And I guess we should just jump right into it. Um, you know what we should kick off with? Something that we failed to talk about last week, Brian. Yeah. And that is that me and you, we sat down, we got some beers, and we watched probably the most horrific snub for the Oscars last year, Ganso. Absolutely. Uh, this is in John's latest video. Me and John watched it in advance because we're both fans of the manga Gantz. Mm-hmm. This is like one of the best fucking things I've ever seen. <laughs> like, it's not a good film writing, but it's one of the best fucking things I've ever seen. I really liked when we both decided that Gantz was cool. And it was when we were both in work and we we're men- me and Bri- me and Brian, we had, we used to have a kind of weird job where you'd spend a lot of time doing like just nothing. And there was nothing you could do about it. Someone, Someone up the river from you had failed to get a thing done when they were meant to get it done. And as a result, you just had nothing to work on for the day. And so we'd actually spend a lot of time reading manga just at work. Yes. And I was like, you know what? I'll go read Gantz. Um, and all 37 volumes. All 37 volumes. Uh, until I got to the Osaka arc. and Which is like well over halfway into well it. Well over halfway into it. And shit just got so weird and so crazy. I had to turn around to Brian and be like, Brian, you got to come look at this. And uh, from there, we were just, that was Gantz. I really think what you showed me was, it was a guy in a leather jumpsuit. Now, me and John have watched the anime Gantz, but this was back in 2007, 2008. Many, many years ago. Yeah, like pretty much a decade ago. Have you? Do you know anything about Gantz, Steve? No, but... The more you're talking about it, the more I get my perception was totally off. I thought it was really serious. Could you could you give us could you tell us as much about Gantz as you can without stopping or without correcting yourself? Okay, go. <laughs> I think I might be mixing it also. Go go go. Psychopaths. You, they wear black tube suits and they arrive into the world 
Truant Orb. Keep going, keep going, keep going. Evil. Okay, okay, but keep going. But they get their guns from that, and it's kind of like Ghost in the Shell, where they're a secret police force trying to keep people safe. Who are the bad guys? I feel like it's the orbs. <laughs> Close yeah. enough. Or like some kind of zombie thing that's controlled by a bigger orb. So I thought it was really serious. Like Ghost in the Shell. It takes itself really <laughs> seriously. Like, it's not comedy at all. No. But it's silly. It's really, really silly. So, what John showed to me, and at this point, I'd watched the anime of and I didn't really think much of it. I thought the pacing was a bit all over the yeah, place. Yeah, it's not... It's not I, lo- I love that original series, but it, it's kind of junk. The manga is way better. Um, so, John shows me this manga panel of a Gantz soldier, and he is about to start fighting a bunch of aliens... But before that, he is prepping himself by injecting himself with heroin. <laughs> because he's so good at fighting the aliens that he does it drunk on heroin. Are they Are they a super police? He's also riding a motorbike. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's riding a motorbike as well. Um, they're kind of a secret army. Okay. It's like, what happens is, like, you die and Gantz... Who's the black ball? There's there's a bald naked man inside that ball, by the way. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> um, <laughs> the ball was my favorite character. Now I'm, the go- the ball's really mean. Like the <laughs> like the ball calls people like shithead and pussy and stuff. Like it's not a nice person. Ah, uh, okay. But um, so you die. Like imagine imagine like a meteorite crashed through this apartment right now and killed all three of us. We would like resurrect, kinda. In it's the, like a copy paste of yourself. Yeah, because you're missing all your scars. We would copy paste into the room with Gantz, okay. and Gantz would be like, "Here's your equipment. Wouldn't tell you anything about it. Go kill the alien. I'm sure you picture the alien, and then you get transported to wherever the alien is, and you have to find it and kill it." But a lot of people are just like, "What is this?" And so they don't put on the suits, and they don't mm. get any of the weapons, and they just get slaughtered by the alien. And are they in a different world from the one they died in? No, are they it'd be, like the for us, world? it would be like suburban Ireland. Yeah. Oh. It's it's amazing. Yeah. I've thought a lot about like what my tactics would be in Gantz, and I think I could do pretty well. I really, really think I would not believe the situation I was in and I get killed. You know the way when anyone of authority tells me to do anything, I'm like, yes, sir. Yes. So I would put on the suit like straight away. Yes, sir. I'll pull down my pants <laughs> like that. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, look, um, so Gantz O is an adaptation of me and Brian's favorite arc, I would say. Definitely top three. T- definitely. T- that's that's. I, I wrote that out of the video, but I was going to be like my top three favorite arcs, but I just said favorite because it was easier. Yeah. But um, and it's like, it's where they get out, transported to Osaka and they meet for the first time another Gantz team. But the Osaka Gantz team are so fucked up and they're such horrible people. Uh, but they're also like total pros. Like they've, what happens is when you like when you reach a hundred points in Gantz, you can choose to either get a super weapon, bring someone back from the dead, or leave the game. And all the Osaka guys have just like gotten a hundred points like seven and eight times over, and they just have these crazy, crazy weapons. There's one guy in a mech. Yeah, like a giant invisible mech. So the eight and like the aliens all come in different forms. Like sometimes they look like Buddha statues, sometimes they look like robots, sometimes they look like zombies, sometimes they're dinosaurs. Yeah, they were fun. dinosaurs. Yep. And uh, but in the Osaka arc, they're like yokai, yokai, like beings from Japanese folklore, and it's so much fun because like there's nothing like the the, the monsters are so weird and they just turn into different monsters and it, like there's no limitations on what they can do. 
And I thought this was like a really great adaptation of that. Yeah. Like, How does it work as a movie that's a single arc? They so, had to abridge a lot of stuff. Yeah, like they cut rid of, it, and like, they cut out like my favorite characters from it. Yeah. Okay. And um, they cut out the heroin bit, which I was kind of smokes, disappointed. He, I think he's smoking like a spliff. Yeah. But he doesn't. He's not. He's he's not. He's not doing there's, heroin. There's no heroin. <laughs> I really, really wish there was more heroin yeah. in anime. We did get the giant monster made of naked women, though. That was cool. That was something. Yeah, I just thought like it captured so much of what Gantz is. And I actually really wish I could view the film out of context. Because I love when you see like some weird anime or some weird like European thing and you have no idea what's going on. That's like such a good time to me. And this is like the perfect thing to do that to. Yeah. I think it's out on Netflix. It is. It is. It's on Netflix. It's the best film ever made. Yeah. Okay. I'll definitely watch it. I think Rebecca would hate it. Brilliant. <laughs> I'm going to make my girlfriend watch with me on my birthday. I'm going to make my girlfriend. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I just think it's such a good thing to watch on your birthday with I, your girlfriend. Yeah. Last time I did that was Silent Hill 3. Hey, I had my fun. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, I think I think we both uh, highly, highly recommend that. Brian, you've actually been rereading Gantz. Yeah. Um, it's just, I find it very, very, very comforting to consume a bit of media that you've enjoyed in the past. It just kind of brings you back to that space of mind. That's my main thing against spoilers. I always like going back to stuff that I've already experienced. And people get so worked up about spoilers, but it's like, no, like it's it doesn't matter. Like, go read stuff. Yeah. Or go go watch stuff you've already watched. It's like better the second time. Yeah, this is so like right now I'm just reading a lot of it and it's just taking my mind off things. And it's really, really, really nice. So Neve, I get the feeling you have been watching lots of TV. <laughs> It says so in the docket. That was my joke there. <laughs> I sure have. Um, the Americans season five. I've spoken about the Americans before. That's the Russian family living in America under the pretense of um, they're travel agents, but they're actually KGB spies. It's full of sexy spy jinks. Wait, they're not American. <laughs> yeah, no, they're Russian. That's a. Is that not a poorly named show? It seems like it. That's well, not really, because like the way the way the title card the is done is it says the Americans, but it's red and white with a sick with a hammer and sickle. <gasps> yeah, you get it. Okay, I get it. Yeah, yeah. The opening is very on the nose, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> <laughs> but um, season five is really great. Like every season that has gone has just gotten better, and now Elizabeth is training her Christian daughter how to be a Russian spy, which is awesome. I'm down for mother daughter spy training anytime. Oh yeah, yeah. Is good. it? Is it? Does it come up a lot? Yeah, that is actually a trope. <laughs> I've seen that a few times. Should like, have happened in the Good Wife. Like look at Overwatch. Yeah, Anna and Vara. I guess Anna kind of is a spy, isn't yeah. she? <clears throat> there's, there's, there was probably some military training involved with a handing of the torch between mother and daughter. There has to be. Neve, surely you can tell us about. You've probably read the comic. Anna did train Vara. But then um, why why is why is Farah a Gundam and why is Anna a sniper? That's not how training works. <laughs> Sometimes you go down a different Anna path. Anna left because she was shot. So she abandoned her daughter, which is a dick move. Did Widowmaker shoot Anna? Yeah. <laughs> Who Anna could have trained Widowmaker? Really? Yeah. So she couldn't take the shot when she realized it was Emily. See, shot she's her back. weak. People say Overwatch doesn't have lore. <laughs> <laughs> So, American's really good, and Survivor Season 34 is happening. 34? 
That's a really, really big number. Did I tell you I watched a season of Survivor? Yeah, you watched the last one, Terry. Yeah. What do you think? I really enjoyed it. It's a uh, compelling television. It's like Portrait of Man. <laughs> it's like, the greatest game. Like, yeah, I mean, a little bit it is. It's absolutely a micro community of all these different aspects of civilization. It's weird when someone really shit gets really powerful. Mm-hmm. You know that kind of way? Because sometimes someone just rises through the ranks and just everyone everyone starts listening to them all of a sudden. Hey man, look at the world around us now. Do you get it? I get it. Because of the person that is in the place. Do you get it? Yep. Totally. I, I think you should make a video about that, John. I'm gonna. It's gonna be... It's, I'm pivoting away from anime and more into kind of like... I guess reality TV kind of stuff. Yeah. That would make a good video. <laughs> A video on Survivor would be a great video. Just saying. It is the greatest game ever played. What about Breath of the Wild, though? We'll get to that. Solid 7 out of 10. We'll get to that. So is that that the depths of your television viewing? Yeah, that's a lot. It's been a lot of Survivor. That is a lot of Survivor. So also, and I noticed that this was on the docket, your docket, Neve, which seems to have been deleted off. (laughs) Yeah, what's this about? (laughs) We all went to see... A silent voice. So, my impression is that you guys kind of hated this movie. No, I loved it. Oh, really? Yeah, I thought it was fucking class. I thought it was okay. Oh, really? I thought you really, like, hated it. No, I just... I don't think it's, it's a really it's good... Fine. It's fine. It was fine. So, this is by Kyoto Animation, who mm-hmm. made Harry, Suzumiya, Keon, uh, Phantom World, and... That's a great show. And are all top number one fave, best thing ever, free. Yeah. Yep, totally. Yeah, what did you guys think of Silent Voice? I thought it was great. I just thought it was like... Uh, so this is a feature film done by them, and it's the same director as the guy who did the K-On! movie, which I thought was cool. Which apparently is pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. That's Have where the girls that? go to London. Yeah, they go to London. It's to play a little gig. It's cute. Yeah. I had to watch it. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's cute and slice of life, and there's cakes. That's just how it is. Uh, I thought this was like a really, really interesting way of portraying bullying. I that's thought it was, I thought that's it was, the thing about it that really grabbed me. I thought it was an honest interpretation of bullying mm. at school. Really? Well, okay. So the the premise is, is there's a deaf girl in school and she is bullied by the protagonist. And then we get to see him older and how the bullying has affected his life. I didn't think it wasn't a true portrayal of what bullying was i just didn't know if i bought the narrative it was trying to tell me about his redemption from being a bully so i guess i've kind of like i've seen like the way his whole friend group dissolved Mm -hmm. i feel like i saw that three or four times when i was like a kid going to a teenager and so i really bought that whole thing and also like like it did remind me like when i was in secondary school i wasn't a bully but there was a time when this kid who I thought we were just friends, but he was like, like a teacher pulled me aside. I was like, you got to stop bullying that guy. And I was like, what? And so I've kind of been on both ends of that whole thing. And it definitely made sense to me because I feel really bad about that now. And if I ever saw that guy, I'd be like, man, I'm sorry. I was just an aggressive friend. Yeah. It, the weird thing to me is like, I, I just didn't buy the level of drama from his point of view. Like kind of thing. I didn't feel that bad for him. I didn't care. I was just like, I didn't whatever. think he was a great character. Or yeah. Anything. So it was hard to kind of be involved for the entire thing. There was moments of melodrama kind of peppered in with long, boring spaces for me in the entire thing. I wasn't really. 
along with it emotionally. Yeah. I think it, like, like that film, like, like I was shaky after that film. Why? What was so special about it? Well, I think there's a lot of personal stuff in there, but I think, like, I did feel like the portrayal of bullying was, like, very real. Like, especially, especially the first 40 minutes or so. Mm. Like, I'd, I'd never really seen... I guess I've never really seen bullying portrayed like that, where it's just like, it's so spiteful and it's so mean-spirited for no reason. Yeah, for me, the way when someone gets blamed, it all it suddenly gets diluted and they focus it all as a witch hunt on one person because they were the loudest voice. Um, yeah. On Big Brother UK, that happened a few years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the person who was, who was, who was saying mean stuff, but wasn't actually the meanest person, but was the loudest person and was kind of the most popular person, mm. got the, pretty much took all the blame for it. Yeah, they became the figurehead. Yeah. The yeah. And so, like, that, like, really, really hit me hard. And I felt, like, I felt terrible for the deaf girl. Like, but, okay, this is another issue. I felt the deaf girl was the least important character throughout the whole thing, even though it was about her being bullied. It was about what she went through. I felt the least developed character was her. Like I, you I don't know, think so at all. But you know nothing about her. Like, nothing. Like, I really felt we weren't shown any, how it was really affecting her life. It was just kind of her affecting other people's we life. We totally see how it's trying to affect her life. Do you not think? No. Like, like, I can't go into it because, like, it's kind of late. But it has very clear ramifications in like a big oh, scene okay yeah okay there's a scene where like it comes to a head and she like tries a big thing happens but i think we don't see any signs of that up until that spot that's just like here's the emotional bait here's the big bang for you to what, get what about, your feelings what about out. the scene where like she pretty much attacks the guy and screams like i'm trying my best Again, that's not showing what was happening to her. It was about how him. is that? How is that not showing what happened to her? That's like her exploding out of frustration. Yeah, I just her day to day life, like what it was like. Like I just didn't buy the deaf girl character. I don't think it was developed enough. I, I thought it was all about the bully, who I didn't really care about because he was a bully. Yeah, it was definitely more about him, and I definitely didn't find him that interesting. But in terms of like explaining like the effect that it had on him. Like, I totally got, that, or the, the effects it had on her, that really hit hard with me. Like I, I think it's more about how it affects him and not about how it affects her, and I wish it was more about how it was affecting her. I think they, they could have gone more into it, but I definitely was not left wanting in that department. Like, I, I felt like I could very clearly understood understand how she feels. I think they didn't even establish how deaf she even was. We never got a sense from her perspective of how much or little she could hear. If she was completely deaf, she had like she had a hearing aid. Like there was no real sense of what her worldview was. It was people reacting to her deafness. And I just like and maybe that's the whole point about it and it's kind of like how even it's alienating for her and everything. Even her deafness is about other people and maybe that's part of the narrative. And that's cool. But for me personally, I would have liked to see more of her. I can understand that. Yeah, there, 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 there were a few kind of like details about her life that I didn't understand. Like like the the uh, school she went to, they didn't ever show that. Yeah, so because I didn't really yeah, understand yeah, that and, and maybe maybe that's one of those like Japanese centric things, mm-hmm. but like there's a shot and it looks like there's like a bunch of different age groups mm-hmm. in the room she was in, and I would have liked to know what that was about. Yeah, it's like, why was she going to a normal school? Is there no services for deaf people that she had to go to a normal school? And then they do bring her to a place where there is, like, 
like places for her to learn sign language and there's so little people that it's a mixed age thing like I think there was a lot to tell about her struggle as a deaf anime character which I don't think we get a lot of and I think there was enough time like it's a long enough movie and it's I thought there long. was some oh, it's, slow it's, bits it's way too and like oddly enough then I feel like we get that same amount of developments but for her little sister yeah the sister gets and more and trying to figure out and one thing that, and like, I did actually like that little sister mm. character. I thought she was fun. Yeah, she was cool. But um, I was also a little like, why are we getting quite so much of this character? So maybe it is just about how this deaf girl affects everyone else's life without it being about the deaf girl at all. Well, uh, you see, I disagree with that because I still felt like I got a really strong impression of that Similarly character. with the little girl, and you don't get a sense of it in the anime, but in the manga, she's getting bullied in school because of her deaf sister. So that's why she doesn't go to school a lot. That isn't in the movie. They don't really express that. She's kind of like... Man, that, it would, seems that like would have been a good... I get the feeling that would have been a really good thing to put in there. Yeah. It's based on a seven-volume manga, which is pretty pretty lengthy. I just think there was just clever writing things to kind of give hints, you know? There was definitely a lot of hints in that film with just very, very quick editing, and you're just meant to kind of go, oh, like later on mm-hmm. when something clicks in your head. Like the, the earring thing? Yeah. I think it would have worked better, definitely, as a 12-episode series. Oh, 100%. Yeah, completely. But maybe the budget just didn't allow it or whatever way the production was set up. It just had to be a movie. Yeah, I'd nearly say, like, they probably saw your name and were like, let's do that, except the timeline doesn't really match up because this would have been in production when your name came out. Yeah. But, um, I like, I liked it a whole lot more than your name as well. Really? Oh, totally. I thought... The further I get away from your name, the more I'm like, that was pleasant. I'm never watching it again. But like, I'm I'm pre-ordering the Blu-ray for something. Oh god, yeah. You're such a romantic. Such a I'm weep. not a romantic. A romantic weave. It's a very romantic film. It's really sincere. But there's no love in it, except when except like one bit. But like, there's no actual romance. But it's in about it. the two of them, and it's about like feelings and being sincere about them. Like, I like feelings. It's yeah, definitely a more romantic think... film than your name. Yeah, I think I, like the word romantic doesn't have to mean like a relationship happens. I just mean kind of like the nice feelings. Like I like the sci-fi the most. So I was kind of like, I wish there was sci-fi in. This. I, I like it when I feel like it's done properly. You yeah. know, because like there's a lot of like romance stuff where like I I just really don't like it and like one thing i do really like to see in media is i like to see plutonic relationships between men and women because mm. i feel like you see it so rarely you know and i don't think that's what this was but i'm not i guess i'm not like a romance junkie like i don't watch romance films although yeah. I, I get where you're coming from it's I, an odd one i think at the end you could probably say they it wasn't romantic their thing because she confesses to him at one point i like this idea and like he doesn't really respond because he doesn't get it and that's a whole joke that happens but uh at the end i think they're both in a place where they're more closer to both being friends and getting each other than being more romantic yeah and i kind of and i like that that as well yeah Yeah. it's a a, it, it, it is a nice understanding um i really like coming of age films i thought this was a really good coming of age film yeah in the way that it's not like a big grand revelation, but rather it's a smaller, more focused uh, goal. Is definitely reachable, but you really, really have to like learn about yourself to get there. Yeah, and like I think it was, it was like kind of a mo- movie of small moments. Like I love the bit when he goes up to the, he's in the amusement park and he goes up and his old friend is working there, the sleepy looking guy. Yeah, mm-hmm. and he's just kind of this like seething asshole. And, like, maybe I misinterpreted that scene because it was really quick. But I just got the feeling, like, he was the really, truly hateful one the whole time. No, I got that sense, too. Yeah, yeah. and I, I like, like, 
I really like that kind of thing. Like I said it in the video, but like I could totally get people not being into that movie. And it was like a super personal thing in a lot of ways to me. But yeah, I, God, I really loved it. Like that is my favorite animated film in so long. I think if you like Slice of Life, you're probably going to enjoy it. So you should go see it. Like mm. these are just nitpicks, but I yeah. generally enjoyed enjoyed it. Yeah, and good looking movie. It looks, yeah. looks fab. I like the character designs. I love the character designs. Mm. I really liked how everyone looked different. Yeah, yeah, they did. I loved his little friend with the bushy head. He reminded me too much of a character from My Hero Academia. I, I really liked that character, so I didn't mind. Plus, I kind of looked like him when I was younger. Like I, like I used to have an afro. Yeah, first year of college, I could see that. Yeah. Please send in your fan art. So, I'm curious. Have either of you guys checked out the new Samurai Jack? Not yet. No. Okay. I will at Easter. It's tough, because I feel like... Every, I haven't seen the third episode. I've seen the first and second episode. And I feel like everyone is like losing their shit over this. And like I've seen people say like it's better than ever. It's you know the best Samurai Jack has ever been. And I honestly thought that the first episode was a bit of a train wreck. Really clumsy storytelling. Very poorly storyboarded and edited. Which like I found really shocking. It just wasn't as tight. It was not tight at all. Like there's a bunch of parts where like, you know, they... They break the 180 line. The action isn't really consistent. There's a, there's even a few bits in the action scenes where it's like, wait, what happened there? Like, mm. and like, that is so the opposite of what Samurai Jack is, you know? Yeah, like it really is visual language 101. Yeah, totally. And I was really, really let, like disappointed by the first episode. Like, I couldn't believe it. Things pick up a lot in the second episode. The second episode, in a weird way, kind of like, I don't even know why the first episode is there. To be honest with you, because the second episode does everything the first episode does way better. But um, I'm curious to see more. But I'm definitely not like, this is amazing yet. How many episodes will there be? I think ten. Okay. And then that's it. Forever. That's enough to pick it up. Like That's that's totally enough yeah. to tell a story. That's the I think that's one of the parts that's really like, maybe not gelling with me, is like... It's very much about telling a continuous story. And so they have to establish like bigger motivations in Jack and like the other characters and stuff. And it just feels a little clumsy compared to like the hyper tight, like 20 minute packages that show used to be. And that, that's, that's probably a word I would use to describe it so far. It's clumsy, you know, mm. and I'm quite surprised. And boy, is that going to put me in an awkward position for a future video? But I'm also hoping that it picks up. And the second episode is a big improvement. I'm, I'd be really curious to see what you guys think. Let's just see how we get on. Let's just see how we get on. With that, what say we move into our strategy talk? This is the video game section of the podcast. Finally, we're here, guys. This is the bit where we talk about the thing that we're supposed to talk about. And I think I would like to kick things off. This is kind of an unusual one because I, I've been playing Breath of the Wild constantly all the time. And I'm still really enjoying it. But um, I also recently started off a new game plus of Nier. And to anyone who's done... Have you done the new game plus of Nier? No, I don't think so. So it's really weird and different. Is it different? Yes. Okay. It starts off with a 50-minute text scroll about oh. Kaine's backstory. 50 50 minutes. That's an hour. And I was fucking... Did you read all of it? Yep. 
And I was like, you would love it, Neve. You would love it so much. It's about Kaine and her grandmother and her grandmother's like this fucking badass who stopped people bullying Kaine. And it's really, really good. And And at the end of it, I was like, wait a minute. Did that text scroll have more of an emotional effect on me than the last 10 odd hours of Zelda? Yes. And I was kind of like, holy shit, like, it kind of did, you know? And it's left me with this weird place in Breath of the Wild, because I still think that is an absolutely fantastic game, and so many of the things it does is so cool. But I also had, like, a really unfortunate play session of it there, where I got, it's the stealth section leading up to the Goron dungeon. Yeah. And it just felt bad. Like, the game mechanics seemed kind of poorly implemented, and, like, it was... Yeah, it just felt like a janky bit from some old N64 game. So, okay, here's the thing about The Witcher that I don't like. With The Witcher, I feel like there's all this great writing and all this great character stuff. And, like, it's fun and, like, the world's established and it's fun and it's it's cool. Then you get to these gameplay sections where it's just, like, use one of your five spells to defeat the corresponding monster. And it feels really, like, slotting, slotting the circle into the right hole, you know? That's a terrible experience to have with The Witcher. I had nothing but... That's crazy. I love the battle system. It's so bad, Neve. It's not. It put, bump up the difficulty and do a dance The difficulty traps. was not the problem. But anyway, and that's kind of the sense I got from this bit in Breath of the Wild. And like, I still think Breath of the Wild is fantastic. And like, I've come across some like really fucking cool stuff in that world. But I'm kind of at the point where in Breath of the Wild, I'm like, I guess the thing I'm coming to with Breath of the Wild is everything I like about Zelda, I don't like about Breath of the Wild. But everything that's, like, outside of Zelda, I love in Breath of the Wild. And I think when it gets to, like, its dungeons or its boss fights or its main quests, that's when I really fall off the game. All the open world stuff, all the exploration, that's the stuff I love. And it's left me in a weird spot with that game. How are you? I'm complete agreement with you. I've I've kind of, I've fallen off a complete completely because all I've kind of left to do, or I feel, is to go through the main narrative and go to the dungeons and do them. And every time I do one, it's less and less fun. Doing the thing that should drive you through the game, the narrative, is the thing that makes me want to play the game least. It's least fulfilling narrative I've ever played. I feel like it's a bad Zelda game in an excellent game, if you get me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Um, like the overworld. But then I think the first 30 hours for me were like magic because it's all new and exciting but then you start seeing the systems you see what's in place you kind of i'm starting to see a lot of similar stuff and the enemy difference like there isn't a lot of enemy types yeah and um, my brain is starting to see that thing where it's like oh i'm not gonna kill that guy because i'm just gonna get a shittier weapon from him than the one yeah. i already have and, and like it's not to take away like i still think that is a fantastic game still like you know my favorite new game i've played this year and all that but yeah, it's weird. I feel like whenever the game leans away from tradition, that's when I'm so hyped to play it. And I had this weird moment as well where like um I ca- I went I was traveling through like the mountains and you know, there's a big beast you see on the side of a mountain at one point. And I just saw him in the distance. No cutscene, no nothing. And it was just like, what? I didn't know anything about like really. That's this. one of the best bits of the game. And I was like, what the fuck is that? But like there was no cutscene, I just saw him. And then when later on, when I came back, I got a cutscene and it was so much less impactful because I feel like any time that game tries to hold your hand, it loses some of its appeal. 
you're saying it as like holding your hand. This is the game's narrative. Like, I don't think it's them trying to hold their hand. I think it's try- them trying to tell the Zelda story and the narrative is bad. Like, I don't think, I think it could have a good story as well as all the good open world stuff that we're really enjoying. But well, the way they to- chose to tell the story is not great. I don't think the NPCs are great. I don't think the characters are great. I've met some, I've met some fun NPCs. I like the construction guys a lot. I like the NPCs in it. Yeah, I, I do like some of them. And I do actually like some of the champions as well. I'm it's so- not about them being like likable. It's more about it being a good narrative. Like the way they're telling stuff through memories. It's not, you don't even feel grounded in what's happening now nearly. Yeah, I have enjoyed the memory stuff. Like I do like those cutscenes. Okay. I, I, I really like the memories. Yeah. I've, I, 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 I've beaten the game and I've gotten like the true ending in that I've seen all the cutscenes and you you uh, get a little bit more kind of backstory between Link and Zelda in it. Yeah, I think what you would like, Neve, if is would be if that stuff was not backstory. I would like if it had a good story yeah. and a good way of integrating it with the gameplay. I think the gameplay is good separate from the story. Yeah, and the problem I have is like I feel like whenever it tries to funnel the gameplay, like the stealth section I'm in, I feel like I am being funneled through that, and it's it's not fun you know it's like it's not relying on what that game does well mm-hmm. and i don't really know what the solution to that is but i also feel like what you have in is kind of half in half out. you have like this excellent game with this utterly average one and i nearly think in a weird way the excellent parts of that game make the bad parts stand out in more do you yeah. know what i mean like i think it's easier to be like wow, this village is kind of unsatisfying when that fucking mountain range over there is so amazing, you know? There are some really, really, like, glaring flaws. Like, Ganon has zero lines of dialogue. He's just a concept in this now. Yeah. Rather than a character. And the the, the last battle is good and then it isn't. Yeah. And, like, I think what I see people saying about that stuff, like, because, like, I, I don't like the, the save the princess thing either. Uh, and, and like about the Ganon stuff as well. I know people are going to be like, well, look, that's just Zelda. But look at how much shit that's just Zelda that they ripped out of this game and how amazing it is because of that. It's also the princess in Majora's Mask. And that's what I want. I want the Majora's Mask of Breath of the Wild. And maybe that, maybe. I think, could be fucking incredible. Maybe. That'd be cool if they did that. And like when I say like Majora's Mask of Breath of the Wild, like... I just mean, like, on a really broad conceptual level, I want them to take this engine and go fucking insane. And that, like, and I I, I, I kind of feel like they might, you know? I love Majora's Mask. They, like, that, that game was made in a year just using the Ocarina engine and just turning it on its head. Jesus, you want to talk about a game with great NPCs? Yeah. You know, there's like a, there's like a, there's a quest line in that that involves, like, helping a little sister get her girl or get her, like, her... Get, helping a woman get her little sister drunk so that she doesn't have to, like, see the apocalypse happen. That's pretty dark. That game's so dark. Yeah. Still, like, still overall net positive with that game. I'm still, and I'm I'm going to finish it. I don't, I'm not going to finish it before I start playing Nier Automata, though, because... Where does it land in your favorite Zeldas? I think I, at this point, I really need to finish it. It's going to be ahead of Twilight Princess, like... No doubt. But it's not number one. It's definitely not number one. It was never number one. No, it's not number one. For me, it's number three. My number one and number two, I don't have a number one. I have tying in second place is Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask. Yeah. I can pick one or the other. 
Yeah. I think Ocarina of Time is always just so hard to talk about because that's like... It, but like, it's a really, really good game. It's a really the- good game. It has a lot of personality, but also it was the groundwork. Like, it, it's hard to say Majora's Mask is better than that or the like any of the other ones are because but they all owe are- so much to that. Yeah, but those two are the best Zelda games, in my um, opinion. I just, I really, really like those. If Breath of the Wild picked up a lot it doesn't for me, it could, like, it could beat Wind Waker, maybe. But it felt like it was like twenty hours ago. It was leagues ahead of Wind Waker, and now I now I don't really feel like it is. If you want a really good first fifteen hours of a game, sell us that game. I think though, like you can't sell short. What an amazing thing that is! Because yeah. I'd say I totally agree. I think that's even one of the best first fifteen hours of any game. Yeah, you know, really like good. it's incredible. It's a really good launch title as well for a console, although it isn't. It's it, it, it's also the last game on the Wii U. Mm. Given the amount of people own that own Wii U's, I think it's pretty fair to call it a Switch launch title. Yeah, and like I also think it is an amazing launch title. Um, I guess I was just okay. We'll stop going on about it soon because I know people are just like they, you know people are sick of hearing about Breath of the Wild. But there was a point where I was like, oh my god, this is scratching my Binding of Isaac itch. You know, where it's like, I'm going to go in there, I'm going to do what I do every day, I'm going to find a shrine, and I'm going to beat that, and I'm going to explore, and I'm going to dick around. And that's maybe not overly what I want from Zelda. Let's say we do, like, a proper, proper spoiler cast when we've all beat it. Okay. Think, do you think you will beat it, Neve? Yeah, I will. Like, I mean, I've put 55 hours into it. You're I'm nearly not, there. Yeah, I'm just going to do it. The uh, last bit of that story can be done in, like, two hours, to be honest. Especially when you've, like, leveled up your Link with more stamina and hearts, like you can pretty much mainline the game in a day. Yeah, absolutely. It's 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 not actually a long game. I actually do kind of want to go back, like at some point, and try and beat the game without doing any story stuff, just doing like side quests and shrines. Yeah, I think that could be kind of fun. The, Apparently, the the boss fight with Ganon changes a lot. Yep, I tried to do it early, and it is a silly attempt. I don't know how the speedrunners are doing it in... I think the current record is 45 minutes. That's the other reason I want to beat it. I just... I want to go watch that speedrun. I bet it's fascinating. It is. It's really, really cool. So yeah, the greatest game ever made. The greatest game ever made. The last one you'll ever need. Hmm. Hmm. Dead or Alive Extreme Beach Volleyball 3. Oh yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Uh, the second best game ever made, John. What is that? Uh, that would be Night in the Woods. Okay, No. Um, so I've been playing Night in the Woods, and full disclosure, I was a Kickstarter backer on this one. Were you? No, because at the time it was PC only, and I was like, fuck that. Fair. I hate, I hate playing games on my computer. So I would say I'm about, about three hours into this, and I'm kind of mixed so far. Uh, I really was not enjoying it for the first maybe hour, hour and a half. It's barely above a text adventure. Like, it's... It's nearly visual novels levels of, like, dialogue interaction. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, And it's got a really nice look to it. It's, like, you know, got all these little, like, anthropomorphic, really high high stylized little, like, cats and dogs and wolves and coyotes. And they they are cute, you know? And they're all kind of, like, cut-out silhouette designs. Yeah. Um, I I feel like they could have pushed some of the lighting effects more. Because sometimes it'll do things like a character will, like, you know, open a door or a curtain and like light will spill onto them and it looks really nice, but then that isn't there for the majority of the gameplay. Um and I feel like that stuff really could have like just pushed the atmosphere because atmosphere is such a huge part of this game. So much of like its charm is dependent on 
if you kind of dig this thing's vibe. And the way I described it to it to you two before is it's a little bit like Undertale meets Life is Strange. And that is a mixed bag. For those of you who weren't around for the dark times of this podcast, Undertale and Life is Strange, not going to point any fingers, but that was the source of a pretty huge controversy here. We all have our sides. We all know which we like better. And it's interesting to play a game that I feel like kind of combines aspects from both. And I feel like there are there are times where the dialogue is very like... Too whimsical. Air quotes, cute. You know what I mean? There is stuff when it's like a character will like break into pretty much being like pretty much saying poetry. And it's a bit like... So it gets overly sentimental. There's a lot of sentiment in this game and, a, and 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 quite a bit of it doesn't necessarily hit home for me. You know, it's like... Is this a game where you roll your eyes at it? You're like... Oh. Not that much, but it has happened. Yeah. But then I feel like for every moment like that, there's one that kind of lands as well. Because like the whole thing about it is that you are this little cat, May, and you come home, you drop out of college and you come home. I think one thing it does do really well, especially in the last play session I had, is it does really capture this whole, like, I am a 20-year-old person and I have no fucking idea what I'm going to do with my life. And it does capture that well. Nice. Yeah. And so I was nearly, I was gearing up to actually drop it because I just really wasn't feeling it. But then I went to a party and I got drunk and that was fun. And then I hang out, hung out at a mall with my goth alligator friend. And that was fun. And so I think I need to play more of it, but... Yeah, undecided. Like, is it charming enough for the whole 10 hours? Because that's a really long I don't playtime. know. Okay. I really have my doubts about that. I have it ready to go, but I'm also dreading playing it because it sounds like something I might just hate. I think you might just hate it. Yeah, it sounds way too sentimental. I think you should definitely play it. Yeah. Because I also think it's a very... But you like, you like Life is Strange. That was like 100% to do with lesbians. Neve, I really hope that someday you get all the fucking lesbian games you want. I hope you drown in lesbian games and then me and you, we can take each other's hands and go back and play Life is Strange and I can show you what a fucking piece of shit that game is. John, it deals with suicide in a really, really real way. I really like that game. <laughs> you know what? You got me there. <laughs> It's a good game. <laughs> I definitely prefer Life is Strange to Undertale, but only by like 5% more. I know exactly why you like it better than Undertale. Yeah. The fan base is better. <laughs> so okay, I'll, since I have it, I'll give it a go and we'll, we'll come back to this conversation because it maybe I'll love it. Maybe I'll just hate it. I, I think there's a small chance you could love it. I don't know, Brian. Like, with you, it's like, I think it's very... I'm definitely 50-50 on this game. Like, I really, really want to play this game, but I also fucking hate that shit so much. But, like, I I nearly see this game, it's nearly like something you would make. Yeah. But you know the way sometimes when, like, something like that is nearly too close to home... Oh, it pisses you off. And it pisses you off. That's nearly what I could see this could be as well. Because, like, it's so close, but then, like, the little things that will piss you off about it would just drive you insane. The guy... Like, obviously, I don't mean that in, like, a bad way I really, really like the guy who made this game's work. Yeah, he's an animator. Yeah, yeah uh, his name's Scott Benson, and he's an independent animator, and I followed his work for years, and I told my sister to talk to him years ago for a thesis she was doing about animation and video games, and he answered all of her questions in great detail. It was really, really, really sound of him. He's a nice guy. I don't do that. Um, I don't... I've, 
I but I've also unfollowed his Twitter twice <laughs> because he's so frustratingly annoying. What? Yeah, you guys have mentioned this before. He just What's... talks about himself all the time and like, talks uh... about exposure and how he doesn't work for free. And it's just the same cycle over and over you again. You know the way John Blow thinks he's the smartest guy mm. in the room and yeah. no one else. And the reason why people don't like his thing is because they're just not smart enough to get it. He's kind of like that. Oh, yeah, for sure. So he screen capped, um, I think it was a review of Night in the Woods where someone said that May was kind of an annoying character. And he got really angry and went on like a bit of a Twitter, like that, doing stuff like that, kind of like your He's... opinion is wrong. You don't get it. She's an iconic character kind of thing. I don't think he gets to call your own character iconic. Yeah, it's kind of it was, it's that kind of stuff where he really believes and cares about what he does, but he maybe be better off not taking up every criticism as a personal one. As someone who just spent eight months making a very very personal film, I don't think about it now that I finished it every breathing moment of my life, and it's a huge relief. Consumed like I think they were doing it for like three years. They were they were doing it for three yeah. years. Like that that will fuck you up. And also, like, what I would say there is exposure is a big thing. Because, like, your your thing right now, Brian, is, like, that's on the DL. Because you are doing film shit with it. And, like, yeah. you know, you can't put it online. Having stuff online messes you up. Yeah. And so I could, like, as much as a douche thing I think that is to do, I can kind of see where he's coming from as well. But that's, yeah. Yeah, same. Like, I follow him, then I unfollow him because he's annoying for a day, then I follow him back. It's it's a dance. Yeah, like, I really, really like his stuff. I think it's kind of fascinating that you guys re-follow people you unfollow. Once, like, once I unfollow someone, they're fucking dead. This, like, okay. <laughs> I don't think about it too much. I just, like, see something I think is stupid, and I go, like, that's stupid, you're annoying, and then I unfollow him. And then I see someone, like, re- tweet something else that he said was good and I was like nah yeah got, you got me there man I'm like unfollow and then if I ever see anyone retweet them I'm like hide <laughs> yeah I've unsubscribed from comic girl 19 and resubscribed to her same same you She's... unsubscribe from comic girl she, I, I agree with her I, dis, I, I, I disagree with her most of the time that's not a reason to unsubscribe from someone but sometimes you subscribe to me Eve? sometimes your opinions are just so annoyingly wrong <laughs> I have to go no no did you see my did you see my silent voice review and just like unsubscribe oh my god were you yeah I was just like he's such a special guy I really like your new video special <laughs> guy it's just like you really loved it I thought it was really sincere I thought I, I was like I was writing that and I was like he's gonna roll fucking yeah. eyes at this I was just like man he's so many feelings I have so many feelings. But then or I was like, very why sentimental don't guy. I? You should probably like a night in the woods more. Okay, back to night in the woods. You said that like he, the impression you get is he thinks this is like a hyper smart game. Yeah. Well, no, that he just he needs to take a step back from it. He will. Yeah. He just hasn't yet. Yeah. Because like the the impression I get from it is like it's cute, and like when I say cute, I mean like it's kind of clever in a funny way sometimes, mm-hmm. and. A lot of its attempts to, like, characterize May and, like, to put in... Like, she gets drunk and she screams about her feelings. That's annoying. And, like, you know, that's something that someone would do, but it's also, like, that's a very ham-fisted way to get across what your character thinks. And and the rest of the time, she's just kind of a little cynical and a little spunky. Sounds Scott Pilgrim-esque. Oh, yeah. I would say it's a few... It's dialed in from Scott Pilgrim a bit. It's not quite that on the nose, Mm -hmm. but it's... You know, yeah, look, remains to be seen. If Scott Pilgrim didn't exist, this game would be different. Because maybe the influences are there. I think if you see it for a tenor, yeah, that's, you know, that's that's not a bad price for yeah, it. I really, really want to play this game, and I will play it later in the year when it's yeah. on sale. More than that, and... Mm, 
it does feel like a Kickstarter game. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so it's not as good as Hyperlight Drifter then? No, it's not as good as Hyperlight Drifter. That game's the fucking shit. That game's... Hyperlight Drifter is bad fucking ass. Yeah, it is. And speaking of bad asses, if you played Layers of Fear? What the fuck is this? It's a game that came out last year and it's kind of like a walking sim horror game. Like walking horror puzzle game. You would say it'd be like Outlast, but there's nothing chasing you. You're just exploring a house so it's closer to Gone Home. That's just real life. Yeah. So you're in a Victorian mansion and you're an artist. It's really funny. It's doing the whole creative artist that's really tortured thing, but really bang on the nose. So there's there's Renaissance paintings around of like fruit and then it becomes rotten fruit falling out of the painting and the painting all distorts and then you turn around and a passageway is there. Then you turn again and it's a brick wall. Then you open a door and it's a giant portrait looking back at you. Oh. Then you turn again and it's the same portrait but really small and it's like a Renaissance face guy. It's- I, I like trippy horror. It's really good. Yeah. It's it's clever because like I never see the moment where they're cutting away and they're distorting the video and everything. And um, that's cool. I think one one trick I good. saw from it was like you're looking up at a painting, but the painting is so large that it takes up your entire view frame, mm-hmm. and then you're in that room. Yeah, like all of a sudden the room is three D, and you're like, wait, when did I? And that's just cool. I love impossible spaces. Oh, me too. I love it so much. Because that's like definitely like a nightmare scenario that that you do actually dream up. You know, know, when you're just having like a really, really bad nightmare. And you're just in these impossible situations where you're going through doors and you're just in a completely different environment. And you're just part part of of that stress is what's causing the fear. I like um, the impossible spaces from The Shining. I think they're really fun. It captures that sense of dread really well. But there's never, you know... It's not a difficult game to play. You, There's a sense of flow with it. Like, I'm running down corridors and I'm turning right and I'm never getting too lost and it's always leading into really? other things. That's cool because yeah. one thing that actually really pissed me off about those um, Amnesia games, I felt like the flow in them was mm. fucking god-awful. Just terrible. Loads of backtracking. With this, it's always Loads of backtracking you. and just where the fuck am I going, you know? The narrative is just great anyway, because he's getting crazier and crazier, and you pick up stuff within the world, like little notebooks, uh, describing about his ill wife, and he was commissioned to do pages for uh, Red Riding Hood, but he drew them a little too dark, and he was just like, he don't understand my vision, and he was like, I thought this was an easy job for you to do as an artist. And he starts painting with really weird things and flesh and it gets it gets suddenly creepier and creepier and creepier. But um it's a really fun game, really enjoying it. The modeling of all the rooms, the wallpaper and the texture and like and everything on the props is all really high standard stuff. Yeah. Kind of wobble. The walk isn't great, but you're meant to have a limp, so <laughs> that justifies it. Sure. You Sorry, we can't fix this camera. Uh, we'll just explain it away with dialogue. Yeah, they put your cane in it, smash it through a portrait at one stage. If you get a chance to play this game for cheap enough, I would How much go is for it? it. It's 20, I think, but if you could get it for 10, definitely. 10 is a sweet spot for yeah. many games. How long is the game? But I'd say it's about six hours. That's Perfect. Right. That, that's a good length. Yep, that's, right, I yeah. would not want it longer than that. Oh. You, have you beaten it? Or? I'm near the end. I'm right at the end. Just, does it car- feel like they're going to stick the landing? Because horror and endings are so tricky. I think it doesn't even need to be. like there, there's You're not nearly building towards a reveal. You're just more experiencing the madness as you're going through so it. So it's not really a narrative. 
there it's kind of it's a small one you're you're more finding out what happened in the past you're uncovering something going through the house like gone home style but there's nothing directly happening to you now yeah so yeah i think it'll stick it just because there's no direct foe in this cool that sounds really good i'll keep you posted on it anyway brian how is the splatoon 2 demo okay i played three hours of the splatoon demo splatoon 2 demo uh, I tried out a bunch of different weapons. So the way they did this was, this was a beta server stress test. And the way they get to test it is they just put out the demo for mm. one hour slots and they just turn on the servers, you play the game and they turn it off again after an hour. It doesn't feel like a sequel to Splatoon. It feels like a kind of like 0.5 sequel. Mm. It doesn't feel like a full sequel yet. But that's because I don't know what the full game is going to be like. Yeah. This was just a regular four-on-four paint-everything match. Yeah. Some of that's, that... That, that kind of has me a little reluctant with it. Yeah. Because, like, I, I love Splatoon. I thought Splatoon was awesome. But, like, the more I think back to it, the more I think it was awesome was, like, the weird gameplay mechanics and the, just the, the fucking look of it. Like, it looks beautiful and it had such a cool... Yeah. You know, it was a lost Sega Dreamcast game. This definitely looks nicer than Splatoon 1. It looks more polished, for sure. It's much slower. Um, it's kind of like the differences differences between Smash Bros. Melee and Brawl, where it just feels weightier. Uh, you die quicker if you take damage. It, like, like, you are much more, uh, like, fragile. Wow. Um, they've added some new gameplay mechanics with, like, the, 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 the uh, weapons they gave you were uh, previous weapons from the game, except for these two dual pistols but if you had them you were super light and a, and it, it also gave you a dodge roll which was really really cool um, that's really interesting yeah uh and so i uh and and because i wasn't playing as as fast as i was before i ended up playing much more sneakily like like i, I was much more evasive in the game i'll definitely play the next demo but I, yeah like I, I i i really liked this i thought it was cool how did you play it in switch mode what mode did you play it in i played it twice in television and i played and then i played it once as a handheld and it's so cool as a handheld yeah it's it's fucking splatoon in your hands you know the more i have that switch the more i'm like this whole portable thing is fucking awesome oh absolutely and i really didn't think i'd give a shit about it but like i'm 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 going away next week and I cannot wait to bring the switch with me i'm probably just gonna buy any old shit i can off the e-shop just to have it because i like playing that portable so much Oh, for sure. There is one thing I didn't like in that when you play with the Wii U gamepad, that has the map on it, and you can use that for micromanaging stuff. But this time around, if you want to see the map, it take, you have to press a button and it covers your entire screen. Mm-hmm. But that happens to all the players, so it's just a case of juggling and going with that new gameplay method instead. Do you have any interest in this, Steve? No. None. Fair enough. That's okay. You don't like Squid Kids? Baby's first shooter. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I had, no, I don't agree with that. Hey, it's, it, that's a weird game to play. Like it's kind of hey. Sometimes, awkward. sometimes I play Splatoon and sometimes I play Titanfall two, and I'm like, yeah, same thing. And one thing led to the other. Yeah. Uh, speaking of a game that I will never play, Neve, you want to tell us about Mass, Mass Effect. Effect Andromeda? Yeah. Game I, of the year? Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was really excited for Andromeda. I'm a big Mass Effect fan. This is why I always tell you you should never believe in things, Neve. 
Yeah, and I mostly don't, but for a moment I did. You see, you let one glimmer of hope in and that just fucks everything up. This could be a really good game. It really could. So far I'm describing it as the Alien 4 of Mass Effects. Yeah. So it's it's going to be the Forgotten Child. I don't think they're going to make a trilogy out of this. I think they're going to leave it at this. I do not like Alien Resurrection. Yeah, that's not a good movie. But it's more... Of the same thing you liked. Is it giving you what you need? Okay, okay, there is pros is and cons. Is it your to it. Street Fighter Five? No, I don't think it's about Street Fighter. Okay, first of all, Street Fighter Five is a fantastic game. <laughs> no, it has more like there isn't stuff missing out of it. Oh, okay. Starting off with the character creator. It's the worst character creator they've ever done. It's the lowest in features. You can't even change your eyebrows. You pick presets. And I have to pick my preset based on the best eyebrows and then work down from it. Because you can't change them. Jesus. Uh, you can't change the colour. Did you, you went with female shepherd? Yeah, I went with writer this time. I went with female writer. 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 Writer, sorry. Yeah. Did you get a face that didn't look kind of smiley? A lot of the video, maybe it's just the one I've seen going around, but there's... Oh, yeah, they're every, very sarcastic. Every, like, every female writer I've seen, they kind of have this, like, grin... Okay, I heard about this, so I did stuff to counteract that. Oh, okay. I heard if you made the mouth smaller, because the way it seems to be animated and why all the animation looks bad is there's no real bespoke animation done by animators. It looks like it was all motion captured and now they're doing, like, they're, they're just doing it like by coding it. That would add up. Um, so a lot of the time you're watching eyebrow, eye, eye, eyelids blink, it, it looks like a push pin, like pulling it up and down and same with the mouth like you can see where the pin is like lifting everything up and down and flapping things open and close like Turians are meant to have this kind of alien bone mouth and they got away with animating their mouths before where it looked like bone sliding over other bone I never had any problem with a Turian talking now it's like like little flappy pins on each lip where like it's just it's lazy it's just lazy looking but um the character creator was just really limited I knew that mouth thing so I made my mouth smaller there's a really great subreddit Reddit called um, Share Your Writer, and everyone gives like presets for the really decent writers they've made. Sweet. So um, using that, I met a girl that I haven't had any issues with, thankfully. That's cool. Yeah, like some people. It sucks that you need to do that. Yeah. But yeah. is she your girlfriend? No. Neve, tell us about your love life in my aspect. The so love life is going terrible, I must say. So, like, my, my goal was to romance a female character, because, like, this is why I'm playing Bioware that's games. Thing. Yeah, like, since Jade Empire, that's the goal. Could you do that in Jade Empire? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Really? They cut the kiss to black, which is what they also do in Andromeda for the male-male relationship. I thought, I, I'm pretty sure I saw a male-male kiss in Andromeda. Did it? They cut one of them to black, for sure. Huh. Yup. And they did that all the way back in the Jade Empire days, which was after a nice Star Republic. Before the first Mass Effect. They've really, they've regressed on a lot of stuff, which is really shocking. Mm -hmm. With Shepard, it feels like you're playing as a character, your Shepard. It's whoever you're building it, whether it's Renegade or Paragon. With Sarah Ryder and just the voice actor's job, you are playing Sarah Ryder. How is the voice actor? She's good, but she's so, like, it's so a character voice. I felt like Like she's plucky and cheery. From the lines I saw from it, she was very, like side character in Buffy the Vampire Yes, Slayer. yes. Oh, that's, that's that's the fucking thing. It's so... I've heard it been described like as Willow Weem-esque, and it is. Yeah. Like, I saw uh, a lot of dialogue that was very, like, oh, we gotta go get the engine thingy. And it's like, 
It's like she makes puns without your input. Like if say if like don't do that. Shepherd was don't like, do that. Yeah, I know. So say if you wanted Shepherd to make a joke, you would pick that and you'd be like, my Shepherd would joke in this moment. But like Sarah just does it and you're like, mm, that's not how I really want to play you. You're not really a joker type person. So you don't really have control in role playing this character. You're more kind of role playing a more direct or more indirect version of a character that's already there. Wow, that that is really not what people like about those games. No, and I don't know if it would be better if you play as male rider. Maybe he has a more kind of um, more passive voice where it doesn't have uh, a lot of character behind the cuts, it. I've actually watched a lot of the cutscenes of this. From what I've seen, that is not the case. Yeah, I kind of figured. I think they're really going for this identity with this game where sci-fi is taking the back seat and Avengers whedon S dialogue kind of Quip. character stuff. Quippy shit is like taking front row so that's like it sounds like mass effect for assholes yeah (laughs) but but you know the way we're saying there's always a solid solid case for the solid six game yeah i think for all the shit this is doing bad i think there's also some interesting stuff okay that is keeping me wanting to play the game i'm having a good time so the character creator is crap the sci-fi's crap. First contact happened with the new Angoran race. It's they look like shit, by the way. The squid cat, yeah, the squid cat people. Um, people were excited about them because Jal looks cool, but the female ones look awful. They're so bad. I can't look at them. They're just the worst looking. Um, you're like, this is your first time meeting an alien, and Ryder just goes out there, and she's like, hey, and the translator works perfect. There's no issue. Like this is first contact. We've never heard these things before none of that is in the narrative like they're just they don't even make mention of it she's just like hey and they're like hey here's a new place for quests take your quest and your new squad member and go again like Neneve in fairness you uh, don't know that that's not how first contact would go (laughs) take one of us (laughs) It, it was it was disappointing their architecture is just the same but repainted like there's a lot of reused assets from the older Mass Effect games and I'm pretty sure it's the reason why this game has been made is they have terabytes of models that they just want to reuse. There was actually a pretty decent Waypoint episode recently and it was you know it was like a lot like what a lot of Waypoint is where it was Austin Walker thought and talking for 40 minutes but he was talking about what Mass Effect and he was explaining how like the structure of like the first Mass Effect rolled out or rolled out in this interesting way where it was like you know you you know, first it's like, oh, these are the Turians, these are the guys from the Contact War, and then you meet, like, the Krogans, and then the Salarians, and all that kind of stuff. I, I don't know the order. But he explained it like there was a very clear narrative mm-hmm. to each new encounter with an alien. And it sounds like in this, you're just like, hey, look, it's all the dudes from Mass Effect, and also these dudes who look like Knuckle the Hedgehog. They want to get it over Ed- and done Echidna, with. I'm sorry, Echidna. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. They want to get it over and done with really quickly, giving you your squad mates. You get them all within the first five hours. There isn't like oh. meeting someone on a cool mission. Are there any? Are there any standouts? Um, I think where it's doing its best is the squad mates all seem likable and interesting. I don't know how my character relates to them right now because Sarah's the hardest one to deal with. But so that is a good point. Is I think the characters are interesting characters. I think the overall story they're in is pretty poor. And a lot of it seems to be ripped. Like, it feels like playing Mass Effect 1 again. Mm. Like, a lot of the narrative beats are kind of taken from Mass Effect 1, but implemented way worse. How's the Asari girl? Because I see her in a lot of the promotions. Phoebe? Uh... Oh, back to my love life. Okay, so. Okay, sorry. The first option I have as a female um, 
player romancing a female character is I think what's Avi? She's a Scottish girl on the ship. She looks like shit. Yeah, she was made with the preset generator, so she doesn't have a bespoke design. She was just made with the presets. So she looks like shit. All the NPCs are made from the same 16 presets, so everyone looks like garbage. Apart from the aliens. Some of those NPCs... What's the point? Some of the NPCs look absolutely atrocious. The only bespoke character designs seem to be the companions and major characters. Like, there is no kind of good-looking NPC that might, like, kind of be part of the narrative. And it's amazing, because, like, my absolute favourite thing about the Mass Effect series was the art direction. The incidental characters looked amazing, the environments, it all just felt so fleshed out and so thought through. And I'm not even a sci-fi guy, but I loved how those Mm -hmm. games looked. And seeing the stuff that comes out of the new one, it's like, guys, what the hell happened? If I was to give them a plus on that, the environmental design looks nice. Oh yeah? Like, just lighting-wise, there's, like, but there's very limited planets then, I think there's only five that you can really land on with different terrain and stuff. So who's the girl you like? Okay, so the girl, the preset girl, AV, I think she's Scottish or something. I was kind of like looking to chat her up. Um, she told me then she was a religious lesbian. So this is the only one who's religious. Oh, no. no, the only one's a lesbian in it. And she's also the religious one. And I know there's like religious gay people out there, but a lot, a big barrier for a lot of people coming out is religion and its effects. And it's just really annoying to me that the one lesbian on the ship was is also like, no, Ryder, you'll never stop my belief in God. And I'm like, it's like you have an option. And it's Do you just, think EA was like, fine, we're going to give the gays what they want but with one stipulation? Yeah, it's so weird because you get to talk to her and you're, I was, my character is like, okay, I don't believe in it. We're like, we're literally in a spaceship or whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah, like, and there's, she, no, there's no God in space. And she sends you an email later and she's like, thanks for the good debate. It just makes me believe stronger. And I was like, okay, okay, her, she's off the list. So then, second okay, on the list. Okay, okay, that's okay. We got more, right? It's just we're not compatible. Like, yeah, no, I get it. I get it. So next on the list is PB, which is a Turian girl. Um, but oh, she's so annoying. She's also, I think she's kind of hideous. <laughs> she's really weird looking. And look, Garrus. She doesn't look too bad. Garrus is hot. Garrus is hot. Yeah, I would. I'd let him do things to me. Like, no problem. But PB's whole thing is that, like, she's always running from her troubles. She never wants to be nailed down. So she's kind of like, I don't even want to get too involved with you, Ryder, because, like, no one stops me from being my own woman. And so that makes me kind of want to be like, love will stop you. <laughs> but I also I'm don't know. i going to put you on a leash, baby. <laughs> but I don't know if I like her enough to pursue that. And then the other option. Okay, so down the list again. Yes, yeah, so the other option is Vetra, who is a Turian who is cool, and I like her personality Wait. a lot. Tur- who is... She's like Garrus. Who is the Who is the first one? Um, Suvi is the human female lesbian... Religious person. Religious girl. And the second person was... PB is the Sari. She's the Sari. Okay. Yeah, sorry, sorry, I got confused there. <laughs> she does look kind of hideous. <laughs> she looks better in game. Which race are they? They're the like sexy aliens. So Asari are the blue alien women, and oh, there yeah. are yeah. there are no male versions of Asari because they breed with other races. Mm-hmm. Okay, and it's kind of seen as a negative to breed with another Asari in the world. When there was sci-fi happening in this game, that doesn't happen anymore. My my love in Mass Effect used to be Asari. Yeah, same Liara. The Forbidden Fruit. No, <laughs> I don't even want to know. Samara. Yeah. Okay. Sure. She was. She wasn't a real romance option, though. Anyway, no. Vetra's all that's left. I like left, Miranda. And she's a Turian. 
um, who are kind of like I don't even know that, how that would like go down, but like I guess that's how that that's where I am. Oh, I've watched the Garrus sex scene. It, it, trust me, it all hooks up just fine. I mean, she seems like the one I get on the most with right yeah. now. Yeah. So what's, Vecra, what's her personality? Follow your heart. She is someone who gets shit done. Like if someone like okay. For example, she'll be the one to suggest shooting out a window if something was happening behind it. Like, she she gets the answer to the problem quick. A little like Garrus? She... Yeah, a little like Garrus, but maybe a bit more by the book. I get the feeling Turians are pretty solid romance options. Yeah, they are. They're good. Yeah. They're good. Cool bird people. Um, ha- have, have you encountered any good glitches? The facial animation and stuff is annoying, but it isn't as so awful that it's distracting because it mm. is a Bioware game and you're kind of used to that shit. Um, like they do look off to the middle distance, but the glitching is really bad. Like I've had characters just drop through the floor. Have you had any T posing? No T posing. I've had people float up into the sky like loads. I think one of my favorite things I've seen on the internet this entire week is someone recreated the Mass Effect Three trailer, but with glitch footage. But like they've ed- it, the editing on it is fantastic. So there's like a bit in the trailer where the Krogan goes like, I've got your back, Ryder. But the footage they use is a Krogan like spinning in the air with his limbs flailing. I, I saw a really good gif last night of uh, Ryder like coming up towards a base and there's this, an NPC woman and she's just drunk. Like she just has a drunk animation. She was in the giant bomb quick look and man. Yeah, she's having a great time. It's really weird when you talk to some of the NPCs, they keep cycling through an animation really quickly so they'll walk over to a table walk back put up their arm to look at their like data pad and they'll cycle through these really quickly so it's never (laughs) like you're having a conversation with a person it's it's disappointing but i think the narrative is fun enough and the characters are fun enough that i'm I'm enjoying i'm glad to hear you're enjoying it like genuinely i love following npcs in games and i'm getting kind of like suspicious of me Oh, these ones aren't smart. These are just all standing still, ready to give you missions. <laughs> There's nothing going on. Maybe it's... A, okay, no, we'll leave the conversation for a little bit later, but it's curious what happened, you know? But anyway, look, with that, let's say we move on to our quick time events. So in our first piece of news, and this is a bit of local news, so I do apologize to everyone this does not apply to, but there is a barcade opening in Dublin, and that is good news to us because Ireland never gets anything cool ever. No, we don't. Uh, This is... Me and Brian had to go to New York to go to Hooters. Yeah. Uh, This is uh, being opened by The Rage, which is the retro game shop in Dublin. Yeah, which is a really cool... uh, I like that place. Uh, I really, really like the staff there. I'm good friends with them. Uh, Whenever I come in, they go, hey, Brian. It's fucking cool. Yeah, they're nice. Um, and they've been wanting to make a barcade for like three years now. And it's really, really, really hard to open up a bar, but also to open up a bar with electronics at a ground level. Like that's a fucking fire issue right there. Yeah. Um, so I'm really, really, really happy for them. It's going to be called Token and it's in Smithfield, Dublin. So people have asked before, what's what's cool in Dublin? Token's going to be cool. Token's going to be cool. They're going to have classic arcade games and pinball machines, and I love pinball. I hope that it doesn't become like everything cool in Dublin, where a bunch of horrible people are just there all the time. And another piece of new Irish-based news, let's talk about GamerCon. This has its own Kotaku article, which I will tweet out on our Let's Fight a Boss podcast official Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, At Let's Fight a Boss. 
This is totally worth reading. This is a video game convention that was on in a big convention center in Dublin that both of you guys have sold at at a previous con mm-hmm. uh, called Dublin, Dublin Comic Con. Very profitable it, con. It's a really, really, really good venue. Uh, they overbooked the shit out of this venue by selling too many tickets in advance. Yeah. The capacity was 7,000 and they've sold, they sold 24,000. I didn't know it was 7,000. Yeah. That's... 7 to 10, I think. Was yeah. It? That's insanity. But um, you can actually see a really a really passionate video online about people screaming about not being able to get into it. It just seemed like a shit show. We actually got... I, I can't remember if it was on my Twitter or the Let's Find a Boss Twitter, but we got some people asking where we're going to this. And if you listen to this podcast and you went to that, man, I'm sorry to hear that, but also I'd love to hear how it went. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If someone's an Irish listener and they have first-hand experience, send us an email about how you got on, please. Mm. A total disaster. Neve, tell us about Final Fantasy XIV, free trial to level 35. Originally with Final Fantasy XIV, uh, you had a free trial for 14 days, uh, which gets you nothing done. Like That game has a lot of grinding at the start, there's a lot of content. Um, so up to 35 is a really good starting point for you to know if you want to play this because it's a monthly fee based mmo which is a rare beast these days yeah but, it really is yeah but, but this game I, is I really consistently good. hear good things about that game um yeah i've i have a red mage in in final fantasy 14 and i quite like it it's good i'd love to get back into it more you know i've always been tempted just to poke at it and this might be a good opportunity but like i'm not going to get a chance because near is out and then persona's out and Persona's out in a week. Wow. Yeah. I can't fucking wait. Yeah, I'm pumped. But yeah, this seems like a good opportunity for people. Because like, it is just seems like a universally praised RPG mm-hmm. now, which is crazy when you think about how it launched. I think level 35 is a really, really decent incentive. Mm-hmm. How, how long would it take you to get to 35, Neve? I'd say that's like 20 hours of gameplay. Whoa. Yeah, like that's really cool. The only thing that scares me about it is we do have a mutual friend. And if you guys know who I'm talking about... Every time I log on, she is playing Final Fantasy XIV. Yes, she is. And it's like 8 a.m. Final Fantasy XIV. Uh, it seems like a good game and good community. And it's one of those rare ones as well that's good on console. Yeah. Like the port. Like, it's good. It's got a huge PS4 community. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's cool. Okay, so this next one, Ukulele drops Dron- John Tron as a voice actor. Oh, John, you missed the destiny. Oh, whoops. Destiny 2 is announced. You happy, Neve? It was the most unceremonious announcement ever. Do you, know, do you know why it was unceremonious? It was like a poster leak. Do you know why? No. Because you don't need to advertise to heroin junkies. Uh. <laughs> Am I wrong? Um. Well, like... Mama likes some smack. Yeah. Okay, are you going to buy it? Yeah, of course. And what have they done to make you buy it? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no need. I need. I mean this hundred percent respectfully, but you just need your fix. Yeah, and they know that. So this happened with a leaked poster that kind of suggested uh, September eighth is a date to look out for. Either that's going to be a beta or release. It was three years ago. I think September 9th is when it the first one came out. It was kind of disappointing. They just tweeted out an image that said two really big in Helvetica with Destiny over it. Same kind of graphic design, kind of. You know it. It could have been an expansion in the way they're advertising it. I hope it's more. I hope there's it's more different than the first game. 
if I was behind this marketing campaign, it would just be a syringe that said Destiny on the side. It's funny because it's the last city, but all on fire. And I don't know why they thought that was a really hopeful image to convey. Because it's kind of like, hey, you know your trash fire? It's like more fire <laughs> now. <laughs> I'm hoping it's going to be good and I can't wait to play what, it. What do you want out of this game? I want a story. I want a narrative. The gameplay was solid and I want matchmaking. Um, the gunplay was solid. I didn't mind the like the grinding for loot. It, what made the grinding for loot so horrible to me is there was no narrative reason to do it. The only reason to do it was to get a better gun to then replace another better gun like it was just this fucking loop where i was never satisfied yeah but i felt if there was some narrative hooks to that i would care more about my cool gun you know it would have mattered more um but there was like the story was the darkness is evil and needs to be defeated by the light like that is literally they're right don't eve <laughs> the most basic the bad guys yeah bad guys are bad good guys are good there you go okay brian let me ask you a question what does Destiny need to, to what does Destiny need to do to make you want to play it? Squid and ink. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> okay. And maybe a guy eats a gun. Eats like a- like he just starts chewing on a gun. Like he kills a bunch of enemies and then in the midst of battle he just gets so intense that he just has to fucking chomp down no. on his like No, the, the, that that does a bit where like like the guy has the gun pointed at the protagonist and the protagonist goes you can't shoot me if I eat your gun. And he, he just starts eating it. <laughs> That'd be fucking... You know... And the guy's like... And like... and like, like He's got 30 minutes to pull the trigger because it takes him that long. But he's so impressed. He's like... Ah! <laughs> <laughs> and, it's, and then it says Destiny 2, the bathroom. That... Yeah. You know what? Because he had a gun. You know what? Sold. Yeah. You should watch some Tekken cutscenes. Heihachi does things very similar to that. So ukulele drop drops John Tron as a voice actor. Yeah, good for them. So um, I've seen a few things about this, and like I've kind of I, I was a buddy of mine suggested recently. It's like where oh, this is such a publicity thing from ukulele. I see that as a business thing getting away from a fucking toxic person. Yes, you know. Um, like if you were doing business with John Tron, I would imagine you would want to get away from him. And like, I was a huge fan of John Tron back in the day. I loved his videos. I hadn't watched them for a long time now, but I have seen some of the stuff he's saying and I don't know how you frame it as anything other than deeply, deeply hateful and disgusting. Like I, he's not using racial slurs, but the shit he's saying is so fucking heinous. Like it's, I don't know how anyone can defend it. You know, like I comes across as really stupid. That's the thing as well. I have heard racists in my day, and I'm not going to say they were convincing because they absolutely were not. But I have heard people frame this shit in a way that's at least clever. This shit is so dumb and so ill thought out. There is no logic to his hypocritical like assumptions. No, and like it leads me, it makes me wonder like what happened in his life to lead to this. Like, where the hell did these views come Nothing from? Nothing happened in his life, but he still feels like a victim. He's, he just, I don't know. He seems really angry. But why? I don't know. He's had a charmed life. And like, probably some will come out like, no, he had a hard upbringing. But like, <laughs> lots of people have had fucking hard upbringings, okay? They don't, they don't sprout, they don't spout poisonous shit on the internet all the time. Uh, it's a shame. I, 
was very fond of that man at a certain time. And like uh, before Game Grumps, before any of that, I just liked, I loved his Banjo-Kazooie videos, you know, he yeah, like, always seemed. I just think it's really interesting because this guy is such a big fan of Rare and like he loves the Banjo-Kazooie games. He loves Conquerors by Further. He just loves the the, the uh, charming games that that studio make mm. uh, or made. And now they reformed and made Playtonic and it's, and it's the original crew. And for your heroes, to just fucking, like, not want anything to do with you. Yeah. Like, that's a real fuck-up. I also, I don't know how you could expect anything else to happen. Like, mm. I hope it's a learning point. Like, I hope he goes, well, like, look at what this has wrought. If he came back in, like, you know, a year and was like, you know what, I really fucked up, I'd be like, alright, fair play. <laughs> but, like, it would have to be sincere and, like, Jesus, I just, I don't know. He hasn't made a comedy video this year yet, and it's the end of March. Yeah, that's that's he, not too out of the blue for him, because he actually does tend to go months without making a video, yeah. and then he'll post one. But then he's always saying he's working on stuff, but then doesn't get made. It's really, like, does he just get... Like, it, it seems like he's someone who just gets really, really, really caught up in his own life. He gets really analytical about his stuff. Like, he del- he's pretty famous for also deleting old videos as well that he just doesn't like anymore. Well, I think he's very... He's very picky about the kind of work he puts out. And also picky about what he says. Like he's Not at all. <laughs> the fuck is this guy? Yeah, it was a really it was a really weird, strange thing. And I mean I'm not surprised at all they dropped him. I think that's that's not even a smart move by Platonic, that's just obvious. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. I find it interesting because he was also known for being one half of Game Grumps for about a year and a half. That side of it is very interesting. And I I like like probably the the entire game Grumps crew, which is about ten people now, I bet they're constantly getting asked, "What's your opinion on John Tron?" They're but they're saying nothing because they really just don't want anything to do with it. Yeah, well, I I nearly see them as pretty. They're kind of separate from yeah, it as well. Completely, I mean, like they haven't. But they haven't. Do you act- watch Game Grumps Eve or anything to do with them? No, I only kind of learned who John Tron was recently. Oh really? Yeah. I remember when Game Grumps formed, and I watched maybe two other episodes, and I was like. Not for me. What do they do? Is it Let's Plays? Yeah, yeah, they just do Let's Plays. They're just just Let's Players. But now they do like board games and stuff like that. And there's kind of like different, two two, uh, different Let's Players will do like a certain genre or a certain type of game. Ego Raptor is an interesting guy. Yeah. Uh, My favorite things he does, he does actually some really interesting like panels at cons. He's, He's a genuinely interesting person to listen to talk. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, that was... That was unfortunate. And something else that is unfortunate. <laughs> Bioware employee single day over crappy animations. This is fucking ridiculous. So I love it. I love glitches in games. I love shit shows. I love seeing big projects go up in flames. And I'm so annoyed that it has been ruined by this bullshit. Specifically what happened is that there was one girl, and I think I believe she was at one point in Mass Effect's production, the lead animator... Because I know that on Andromeda, because I know that project had more than one lead animator, depend like over the course of its production. I think specifically she was in the motion capture lab. Right, is where she worked. So I don't think that she was even an animator. It was part of the motion capture Seriously? team. Seriously, yeah. Okay, this reporter who runs the Ralph Retort, I believe, is the name of the website, posted this article saying, "Do we have that guy's full name?" Ethan Ralph. Ethan Ralph. Uh, who Reporter runs... is a very strong Oh, word. I'll get to him. <laughs> Blogger. And um, he ran this article about how this cosplayer who 
with no experience had been promoted to this lead position in, he said as an animator, but maybe you're saying it's that she was a motion capture person. Yeah. Which is a very different job than an animator. But uh, the name of his piece was called, A Cosplayer with No Video Game Experience Was the Lead Facial Animator for Mass Effect. The whole piece was him belittling this woman. Singling her out and putting the entire blame on her. I'm going to ask you guys to put um, Ethan Ralph, is that his name? Mm -hmm. Let's put him aside for the moment because we will get to him. I think it's a really incredible misunderstanding of how a game's production works if you can point at one person and say how that went wrong, especially a game like Mass Effect, where not only Bioware, we're not only Bioware Montreal, but fucking all of Bioware studios were pulled in to work on that thing, and a single one person out. Like, not only is it kind of heinous and kind of harassment-like to actually treat someone like that, but it's a gross misunderstanding of how video game production works. Like, on such a profound level. Or what animators do, or how games are animated, yeah. or how decisions and games are made. It's the most, like, shoot-from-the-hip way of thinking. And in terms of her having, like, little to no experience, well, first of all, she was brought on as the lead, like, motion capture artist or whatever about halfway through production and instantly the fact that the lead changed through production says more to me than her skill second of all when you work in a field like art animation any of that kind of production it's not that unusual for people with little experience to be promoted quite quickly if they have a lot of talent i have seen that like Mm -hmm. i've worked at studios where that's happened you know and i think it's it's pretty shameful that one person, like just the fact that they happened to like cosplay was pulled into this thing. That's really, really disappointing. And honestly, I kind of thought we were a bit past all that. Yeah. A lot of the focus of his ire was that she was a pretty woman who was a cosplayer. Oh, didn't have no. The oh, no. Oh, the dark future has come through where women are doing things. So let's get to little Ethan Ralph, shall we? And generally, I'm not going to go, I don't like to go after people, but considering he like, you know, dug up this girl's personal interest, I think it's only fair. If you dig a little bit into Ethan Ralph, you will notice that even the alt-right company he keeps considers him a laughingstock. And last year, he was arrested for drunkenly assaulting a police officer in a hotel room. So if that is the kind of person you want to take gaming news from, well, I can't stop you. But maybe, maybe you should look a little more into who this person is and why they think that way sounds sounds like a class act oh yeah top class human being all the way um but hey you know like he got the clicks for his ad supported website so you know fair play ethan like you know you did a shitty thing and now you're going to be able to pay the rent in your apartment where you undoubtedly live alone for the next little while for everyone who was sharing it around and like being part of it like like, you love games. Don't do this. Like, the idea of just singling out a single person for anything is just insane. Like, be annoyed. You can be annoyed that Bioware has shipped a shitty project. But attacking someone? Yeah, and like... It's it's silly. Like, I'm going to loot drop a, like, a collection of glyphs, glitches from Mass Effect, which I think are fucking hilarious. And I think it's totally okay to look at Mass Effect and be like... Look at this big, stupid game. But to single one person out and pretend like you understand the inner workings of that game's production, like, that's... You just... You cannot do that. Like, game production is too complicated. There's no way you could ever, like, distill what went wrong in a production. And if you look at Mass Effect Andromeda, it's across the board. Like, a lot of the writing's really bad. A lot of the Mm -hmm. game mechanics seem quite janky. Like, it's not... 
one person's fuck up here. You can't crouch. Can't crouch, guys. Very annoying. How are you supposed to avoid shooting? Um, I picked the tactical cloak as my first power because I thought I could crouch and sneak into like battle or maybe pop off a sniper shot. And then I realized you can't auto crouch. The only way you can crouch is if you get close to cover and you kind of auto go into it. But it really never feels like you're in it either. It's shitty. Yeah. It's not great. So in other words, there is deep systemic problems with how that game was made. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not possible to boil it down to one person. Don't attack people on the internet. Yeah, and look, even if someone does do a super shitty job, it's ne- they know they should did a shitty job. No one in production ever gets away with doing a shitty job. And sometimes you're to- you're told to do a shitty job that you know is shitty. It's like this animation can't be done in that time. Well, get it done. Yeah, you know, like yeah, that's that's the reality of these things. Yeah, it's like, like the I, animator I, I, is the last person in a long line. Yeah, you know, and like uh, of like decision. I think we've all been paid to work on projects where it's like this fucking sucks. Like, I, I think two years ago in particular, I got pulled into one project and it was like only an eight week thing. And they were like, we need you to make this look good. But it was like, just shit in, shit out. There was nothing I could do. And as a result, like my role on that project was not very good. It wasn't, you know, I never put it in my show reel or anything. But if someone came out and being like, you fucked up that project. It's like, I'm literally one tiny link in this chain. There was nothing I could do. And that's, mm-hmm. game production is that exponentially more because you have programming because you have coding and all that stuff in but yes was not was not too pleased with all that is that maybe one of the biggest shit show contenders mass effect andromeda or the reaction to it kind of all just as a thing i don't think that the reaction to mass effect andromeda is worthy of any kind of award even our shitty one yeah but I mean, if you want to say Mass Effect Andromeda, yeah, sure. I really like celebrating glitches sometimes, so I, yeah, I, I wouldn't see it as a negative. Well, boy, do I have a game for you, or do I have a YouTube video for you? Yeah, looking forward to it. Okay, so with that, we are going to move on into our emails. If you want to send emails into us, you can email us at askletsfightaboss at gmail.com. Neve, what's that? Ask let's fight a boss at gmail.com. You can find a link as the first thing in the description below. We also have an Instagram and a Twitter. Yes, we are live on social media, always, always watching. Always watching. We love you. We Never are your satisfied. Friend. Maybe I'll update with bits of my shepherd's romance. Not shepherd writer. I think people really appreciate that. Yeah. Maybe I'll put up a picture of my hand. Cool. <laughs> like, whose hand is this? It's Brian's, by the way. Brian. What do you got for us? Okay, this first one is from Eric, and he greets us by saying how much he loves the podcast, and how we're so cool. Does he say, I'm cool? No, he says, you're a dirt baby. But then he also says he reads Black Clover, so, you know, come on, Eric, you know. Anyway, his question is that really kind of got our attention is... Um, was there multiple questions in this one? Well, the first one was about Black Clover. (laughs) I have not read or watched Black Clover. I'm going to watch it with the new season (laughs) i don't know anything about it it kind of looks like fairy tale but here's like the real meat uh is there any game movie or tv show that you have missed that you wished you could have watched when it was originally released near i wish i had been i had wished i had been on near on the ground from the ground floor as someone who was there was no buzz about it so there was nothing there i know but i could have been the asshole who's like Buzzing. Okay, guys, listen, I know you all think Mass Effect is good. Guys, you don't get it. That sounds like me. <laughs> <laughs> you don't fucking get it. What about you guys? 
I really would have liked to have seen Kukai and your father. Honestly, I think that would have been fucking cool to see on the ground floor. Oh, sure. Yeah, that would have been, yeah, been amazing. Like, like that's so, like it's such an obvious example of, fuck, imagine being there when that happened. Like, not knowing. The the closest to that is there's a bit in Paper Mario Thousand Year Door where there's like a real like, oh, shit. And like the curtains pull back for a moment during the uh, middle chapter where you're Duplice? going. Yeah. I really, really like that bit. I was not expecting that, and it just it caught me off guard. I thought that was that was cool. It didn't. It wasn't like a big plot twist or anything. I was holding the controller for five minutes before I realized what had happened. Okay, yeah. It it got me real good. That's a that's a gameplay twist. Yeah, yeah. I wish I started watching One Piece earlier. I, I, lo- I remember you asking me, "Was One Piece good?" And me being like, "Yes, yeah, alright. It's the best shit ever." Um, I wish I was on that adventure from the very beginning. Neve, you got anything? I don't think so. Because I think everything has affected me as much as it would affect me, you know? Yeah. And you're cool when it's cool. Yeah. Yeah, to be honest, like, there's not a whole lot of stuff I wish I'd come to earlier, because I always think the ways you come to things is more interesting. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I think about how, like, it would be interesting as something's coming out. Like, I would have... I sure would have liked to see... Like, been there when Dragon Ball was first coming out. When Dragon Ball didn't exist and being there for the moment where it did and where it started getting popular. Like, it would have been interesting to live in Japan at that time. That, yeah. That, yeah. That'd be cool. Yeah. I really like binging stuff, so I kind of like to wait until something is all out anyway and then watch it because spoilers don't really bother me anyway. So I kind of like instant gratification over, you know, maybe like, say, being on Lost when that was first airing because I wasn't into Lost. That was like watching a really fun balloon deflating. Yeah. yeah. I really liked the, the the last season. The last two seasons were great. Really? Post-writer's strike, that show improved loads because they cut the amount of episodes in half and the pacing was way better. That showed awful fucking pacing yeah. at the start. Yeah. I like You know how there are some super iconic movies with really, really, really famous twists? Mm. I'd love to be around for one of those at some point. I wish I could go back in time. And tell someone, spoil this twist for really Wait, important So things. you don't even want to not know the twist. You want to spoil the twist for someone <laughs> yeah. else. Like like before like Fight Club or something comes yeah. out. Just be like, hey guys. It's in his head. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to have seen The Matrix in the cinema in that 99. Cool. So I didn't see The Matrix in the cinema, but I had no idea what it was. And my cousins showed it to me. And they kept expecting, I think. They kept expecting me to be like blown away, and I was like, "This is stupid." And they were like, "Shut up, John! You just don't understand it." I I remember a friend of mine's older brother came back from the cinema, and he'd seen The Matrix. And at this point, like, there was just that one trailer where it was just a dude in a trench coat fighting guys. So we knew it was cool. And we were like, "Was it good?" And he was like, "It was the greatest fucking thing ever, man." It's like when you see Fight Club first, <laughs> when you're a teenage boy and you I see still, Fight Club. I still really like Fight Club. I well, I mean, yeah, but we're fucking. We're always, like, 15 at heart. <laughs> Fight Club is like Gans. It's just good <laughs> shit. Yeah. You seen Fight Club, Dave? Yeah. Did you want to start Fight Club? No. See, that's... that. You know when you're a boy and you see Fight Club and you're, like, afterwards, you're like, are, guys, are we gonna... Are we gonna do this? I lived in a place and I was walking to my house and there was guys having a Fight Club in their... Like, just outside their house like just punching each other and, like, the mom was like, come in and they're like, no, we're doing Fight Club and she's like, you're topless, come in. Like, but, like... 
I'm I really glad they took off their shirts. Lads hitting each other like constantly. I remember I was in primary school when Fight Club came out, so I was like eleven or twelve, and that's way too young to be having a Fight Club on your school grounds. But we did it. I think <laughs> I think one guy got hit once and he cried and it was over. I think it's just like being a man, like being a man, being a man, a big man. You know, being everything is shitty, and in a lot of ways, being a man is kind of like the least shitty. But it's also the, the most shitty in very specific ways. And Fight Club hits those nerves. Uh, I, yeah. Folding Ideas did a really good review of it about oh, yeah? like kind of like masculinity in Fight Club and stuff. And oh, really? Yeah, it's a really good one. Because I remember I showed it to my dad when I was like seventeen. I was like, "You got to see this movie." My dad was like, "That was pretty good." But you know what that film was really about, Brian? I was like, "What?" And it's like. When you see older staff working retail, they're hired because they're more reliable than the younger staff because they don't have any aspirations to become managers and they'll just do their job and be quiet. That's what Fight Club's about, Brian. And I was like, okay. Yeah, like, it's not <laughs> it really, really about being a badass. It's it's kind of about how shitty that is. Yeah. But um, I just, I thought of one other there. Fuck, what was it? Fight Club. It was the Matrix. You know, actually, you know what? You know what? I, you know, something I wish I could have come to completely cold. The Blair Witch. Oh my god! Oh, you didn't? No. Oh yeah. Okay, that's a good one. That's so good. I was told it was fake, and it still scared the bollocks off me. But I remember the marketing where they were like doing it as like it's a real documentary about these people and they had a fake documentary on TV. I oh, saw... Yeah. I, 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 what, that was so good. I saw the yeah. fake documentary and I thought that was real and that scared the shit out of me. But I knew the film was a film. For years, for years, I thought it was real. And then I think in like 2005, I saw it on television and it says down at the bottom, like, all of this is a work of fiction. Any likenesses are coincidental. And I was like, oh. So, Neve, did you get to see that like thinking it was real? Yeah. That must have been... It was spooky. Spooky scary. That's so um, cool. That movie still holds up. And same with the third one came out last year. That's meant to be pretty good. Yeah, I really want to watch that. So I became really scared of the Blair Witch as a concept when I was like 11. But somehow I got it into my mind that if you ever thought of the Blair Witch, she could feel you thinking about her. And that ruined me. Ugh. That's pretty scary. That was, yeah. Okay, so we're going to move on. I'm going to read out this next email, and I'm going to keep the sender of this email anonymous. Um, Hi guys, I love the podcast. I have somewhat of an unusual problem, and maybe you guys can help. I really like the friendship you guys have going on, and having something like that has been something I've wanted for a long time. Um, As a person who is not really approachable, what can I do to find a friendship like you guys have? Keep up the good work, and thanks for being a shining beacon in... And thank you for being a shining beacon of happiness in my life. Well, thank you very much. That's a really sweet thing for you to say. So I wanted to take this email because in a lot of ways, I felt like this email was like, it was like me from like 10, 15 years ago. And I think um, friendships are like tricky and they take time, you know, and I think there's like two sides to making friends as far as I'm concerned. First of all is like, you have to be in a position to actually meet people. Most of my friends that I have now came from like college. And one of the reasons I made so many friends in college is because it was a mutual interest thing. You know, it was animation. We all went to animation. If you're in college and you're doing something that's you're dispassionate about, maybe there's a chance that you're going to meet less people who are kind of on your level with that stuff. 
And so in that way, I think it is important to do everything you can to actually like meet people, you know, especially if forming friendships is something you want to do. So yeah, like put yourself out there, like do say yes to things like, you know, hang out with people, just try things, even if it's uncomfortable, even if it's like you, even if you don't like going to parties and stuff like that, if friendships are something you want, it's kind of like you have to put yourself out there. Yeah. Um, I think also from the outside looking in, we seem really close. If you listen to the older episodes, and it's kind of sad that they're gone, but like you can hear our friendship progress and grow through the episodes. Hmm. Yeah, we for weren't sure. always really close. Like, you know, this this happened through dedicating time to getting close. Yeah. And another part of this is like, we have actually known each other. Me and Brian have known each other for what's getting on well over a decade now, right? It's 11 years. 11 years. And like, Neve, we we only became friendly with you in the last maybe three or four years. Yeah. But we've always known you. Yeah, we've always mm-hmm. known you. Um, we've known you nine and a half. And that's kind of my second point. It's like friendship and closeness, like it takes time. Mm-hmm. And I think in that time, like a lot of stuff's going to happen. Like you're going to get in arguments with people. You're going to see sides of people you don't like. I do think in a weird way, you just kind of have to give people a break, you know? Yeah. Uh, like like for me with friendships, it's definitely a 50-50 thing where it's you and the other person or a group of people and you're working together to build a bond. Yeah. And it's definitely 50% on you and 50% on them. And if it feels like that's happening, then that's a natural evolving friendship. You cannot force these things, unfortunately. It has to just work at its own pace. Yeah, that, that's definitely something I'd say. Like, you cannot... I think you can do everything you can to put yourself in a position where you're meeting people and friendships could form. But in terms of actually, like, picking a person and being like, I want to be this person's friend, that's never really going to work mm-hmm. out. No. and Like, if you told me I was going to be friends, like, really close friends with you guys, like... Five years ago, I would have been like, eh, okay, sure. <laughs> sure. You know, you well, don't know who you're going to have that connection. No, you or really don't. With. Yeah. Like, you really, really have to be patient, but there is no time length on these things. It just has to happen naturally. Even, even like, on the other side of, like, say, even, like, not even pursuing people for friendship, but people coming to you, like, like, a kind of in-joke with, with me and Brian is that, like, Brian was my friend long before I was ever his friend. Yes. You know, like I, Brian was very young in the first year of college. Like you weren't even in drinking age, right? Just about, but I wasn't really into drinking. Um, and I did not like Brian at first at all because like. I'm so bold. He was really bold and like really just like, well, most, I guess he, in a lot of ways, like most of the things I like about him now, he was back then, but I was just like, no, fuck this guy. Cause I was impatient. And like, I think peep, it takes a long time to see people for as they are. You know? Yeah, I think this guy um, who we're talking about here, he used an example of two One Piece characters. Um, you kind of like, even if there's a one like character who you see who isn't the easiest to get on with, they're still in the group of friends. I think you should kind of look at yourself, even if you think you might be difficult to get difficult to get on with. Look at that. See what's your positive aspects, because like even Vegeta becomes part of the friend group, you know. Not everyone has to be the same type of person. Um, And also kind of look at what do I do to make, maybe make people not comfortable. Like maybe I don't make eye contact. Maybe I don't try and speak, you know, if you are finding it that difficult, which like it can be, 
I think being aware of what you can do to try and make it easier is good as well. Totally. A technique that I have is you make a lasting impression of yourself in that you wouldn't overstay your welcome with someone that you're introducing yourself to or, 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 or having your second or third conversation with. And you're not kind of bothering them or like saying saying too much about yourself, but just saying enough that you're interesting that they're going to think about you when you're not around. And yeah. so when they mm-hmm. see you the next time, they're glad to meet you again. Yeah, show your, your, your worth in what your personality is. You don't have to change your personality. You just have to find the best parts of it and try put those forward more. Yeah. And I think he mentioned that he, like, he does game development. That is such a good in if you do that. Like games, like maybe you're making your first game now on your own, but games are a thing that are made by groups of people. You might want to get an artist involved or a musician. Like they're, Even um, game jams seems yeah. like fantastic things to like go to to get people, mm-hmm. to get to know people. See the value in short-term friendships. Not every friendship has to last 10 years and be a really big, intense thing. One of my favorite friendships and memories I have with them was my Gears of War gaming clan I had like 15 years ago. <laughs> I don't talk to those guys now, but like when I think of that time, they were my friends and that was a really good, fulfilling friendship. We aren't there anymore, but that doesn't make that situation or time it was great any less. It's just different now. So, you know, see the value in making online community friendships and gaming friendships. Um, one study I read about a while ago that I always thought was really interesting is the absolute best way to make people think you're interesting is to ask them questions about themselves. Yeah, because you're bringing out the best in them as well. Because people want to believe that you're interested in them, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I do find, like, that is a good way to get to know people. And, like, I think through that as well, that's a good way to know if you're going to kind of click with someone or not. But, like, don't think about this too much of, like, a, a weird tactical strategy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's totally not yeah, a no. strategy. Like, it's nearly more a weird chemical thing. Like, when I look at, like, my range of friends, I'm friends with a lot of very different personalities. And there's even... I even have some friends, and I swear to God, they, like... They have no interest in games. They have no interest in anime or manga or even films. Like, they're just completely removed from all that. But whatever it is, there is just some weird chemical thing where me and them just kind of click. Oh, yeah, for sure. I've got some friends. I'm like, I I, I would not be friends with you, but I don't know why we're friends. I don't know why, but it's like, but at the same time, you can just sit and talk to them for like four hours about whatever. (laughs) And all the shite. And I always think those friendships are interesting. So, yeah, and like, look, you know, I also think... If friendships don't go well, if people don't act the way you want them to act, like don't take it personally either, because it usually is probably much more to do with them than it is you, you know? Mm -hmm. And like, you know, if someone seems in a bad mood or someone's like rude to you, and like this is still something I struggle with, but it is usually more, you know, just emblematic of what might be going on with them than anything to do with their opinion of you. So stop freaking out, thinking too much about yourself. Try and think about outside yourself a little. Yeah. And if that doesn't work, remember that one day the sun will collapse and all life as we know it will just fucking disappear. So none of it actually matters that much. Or get a dog. Totally get a dog. Or a guinea pig. Uh, They're very, Not very very comparable, but okay. I I just really, really like guinea pigs. (laughs) But um, listen, I really hope that helps and best luck in your friend hunting endeavors. Okay, we got one final email here. You want to read this, Neve? I got it here. Hey Scooby Gang, I just wanted to send you in, uh, wanted to send in and let you guys know I'm loving the podcast to death. Aww. 
I've been listening to it a lot lately and I like it enough to tell you. And John, your YouTube channel is one of my favorite things ever. But you're all really nice people, at least to me, and I can't wait for the next episode. Also, if this makes it into the podcast, I'd love to know your most embarrassing heart attack moments, just horrible times in your lives. Please, details and all. <laughs> Thank you and keep up the amazing work. Match you. What a positive email. Yeah, what a harrowing fantastic. question. <laughs> yeah. Brian, you seem like you got something to go with this. Uh, okay. For me, heart attack or embarrassing moments is that feeling where you get a rush of numbness from the back of your skull that just whooshes all the way down to your fingertips and toes. Okay. It's not like a panic attack, but just like an, oh, I fucked up and I'm going to have to fucking start from scratch on this shit. Um, so one time, me and my friend Jess were, this is when I was in college and I was in my shared house with my housemates. And me and Jess were, like, saying rude stuff just for the sake of it. And we were like, I hate my siblings. Uh, I pushed my sister down the stairs because I hate her. And then my friend Clara went, uh, actually. And we went, oh, shit. And But she said it in such a way that was so convincing that it tricked both of us. But then she went, uh, actually. I was pushed down the stairs as a little girl and I'm a ghost right now. And it fucking, it really, really got us. But for a moment, for a split second, we thought we had fucked up real bad. Um, and I'd never felt more embarrassed. <laughs> she got you. Yeah. And she was just being sarcastic. And I, but like, it got both me and Jess. Like, it was just so convincing the way she said it. Yeah. I, I've been in those moments where someone says something that's like, and like the good times instantly end oh yeah yeah too much of a good time too much of a good time um, but it was just real cool that she got both of us and then after she was like oh my god I'm so sorry I was just taking the piss <laughs> but I can't believe I got you guys so good I got one and this is more I guess this is a little less on the embarrassing side even though I got plenty of those don't worry but um, so a while ago my handle online used to be Joho and there is an interesting story behind that because you see, about, how long ago was it, Brian? Like four or five years ago? Uh, four years ago now. Four years ago, me and my girlfriend took a trip to Japan. Like, I'm sure a lot of you guys know my channel and stuff. So, like, being going to Japan would have been a huge deal to me. And, like, I had wanted to go for the longest, longest time. And, like, I was just so pumped to go. And I was so happy to get there. And, like, I couldn't believe it when we were actually there. It's like, I'm finally here. Look at all these tiny Japanese people. This is crazy. And um, everything's going great. First shop I go into, like, wall-to-wall, one-piece stuff, anime stuff. I'm like, this has already been worth that 12-hour plane ride. This is incredible. And I wake up the next morning, and my tooth is a little sore. Like, kind of, like, one of my molars on, like, the back left side. And I'm like, that's odd. I'm like, ah, whatever. I'm just going to go out and enjoy Japan. Like, you know, we continue enjoying Japan for, like, a couple of days. And, like, it's such a good time. But every day, my tooth is getting a little more sore. And worse than that, my gum starts to swell up. And, like, I mean, like, outside, like, out the side of my face. Like, it's, there's just this big, swollen, like, lump on, like, on the side of my face now. And I'm starting to look like, it's starting to be very noticeable to people. And so then, like, one morning, I I wake up, and I open my eyes, and there's my girlfriend, and she kind of opens her eyes and looks at me, and she just goes, oh! And I'm like, <laughs> what? 
And so I get up and I go over to the mirror and my jaw is just swollen to the point where like I look like fucking Quasimodo of something, which sucks because Japan is such an attractive country. They're really like pretty people. You don't want to stand out. And like, I'm already, I'm not that big a guy, but I was massive over there. I was like a fucking monster. And you know, you don't want to stand out any more than you already do. And so I go down to the hotel lobby and like, I take, you know, I have to like take my hand off my face to show like the little tiny Japanese uh, receptionist who's called Kira. And he was, and he just goes, oh, and he kind of like looks away for a moment. You know, he like didn't know what to do. <laughs> And so then anyway, he makes some phone calls and comes, and then he comes up to me and he was like, I shall take you to the dentist. And I was like, oh, like right now? And he was like, yes. And I was like, okay, cool. So I go to, I'm in a quite a lot of pain at this point as well. And everything's a little bit swimmy and floaty. And I'm like, am I going to the dentist in Japan? <laughs> and so he takes me into this like office building, like just, and we go up like 13 floors and we go out and he sits in the waiting room and he just like gestures at me to like go into the room. And so I push open these massive double doors and I'm sure it's the same for like folks in like the US or wherever you're listening. But, you know, the dentist is like a kind of intimate thing. It's like it's a little enclosed room and there's the dentist. They might have a nurse there with them. But I open the double doors and it's this giant square room and like... Along the walls, there's multiple different dentist chairs with all people, like all Japanese people having their dentistry done. And it's like, it's like a hall of dentists. <laughs> and I'm like, what the fuck? And then I start getting really scared because I don't like the dentist. But the thing is, I really don't like the dentist if we don't speak the same language, which no one in Japan actually seemed to speak a lot of English. Like, there was very few English speakers. No, it's Japan. I was like, yeah, I know. I know that now. (laughs) But at the time, I was like, oh, my God, what if he can't speak English and I don't know how to communicate with him? And so after, like, five minutes, it was very efficient. After, like, five minutes, this dentist comes up to me and he goes, Mr. Walsh, it is a pleasure to have you in our dental clinic. Please follow me to the chair. I was like, oh, thank God, thank God he knows Japanese, or thank God he knows English. And so I just sit down in the chair, and I'm like, okay, so as you can see, my my jaw is really swollen up, it's really sore, I don't, I think it might be like my wisdom tooth or something. And his face just goes completely blank, and he just, like his eyes glaze over, and I can tell he doesn't understand a word of what I'm saying. And that's when I realize, oh fuck, that little introduction we had that entirely exhausted his repertoire of English. And so he brings me over this little, like, it's like a children's book, okay? And the way it works is he points to the kanji and there's the English below it. And that's how he tells me what's going on. So he's like, we're going to x-ray your gums. We're going to tap on your teeth with this thing. And that kind of goes back and forth a few times. And I'm thinking he'll probably just give me some, like... um some antibiotics and leave. But he doesn't. What he does do is he does point to this one phrase and I'll never forget it as long as I live. It just says, your gum has become infected. I am going to cut it open with an electrical scalpel and drain the pus. And I just read it and I looked at him and my vision just fucking swam. And I was just like, what is happening? Because like, 30 minutes ago, I had been, like, in a hotel room with my girlfriend, and I was thinking, like, shit, maybe I'll need to get some antibiotics. I can't, I can't wrap my head around what's happening. So he does so anyway, and it's, he gives me this insanely strong painkiller, and I'm 
really out of it, like really, really out of it. And then I get out and finally like it's over and it actually didn't hurt that much because I was so doped out of it on painkillers. But when I'm leaving, they hand me this little bag of antibiotics and it has these little elephants on it shooting rainbows out their trunk. And then they give me this little card that says like, that, that's like, I don't know, I don't know what it says because it's Japanese, but it had my name on it, but they had misspelled my name, Joho. And so I took it and I put it into my back pocket and I just went back to my hotel room and I lay in bed for like four hours, just doped off my face. And then my girlfriend came back and she had Japanese McDonald's and that's when I was like, I want to be with this person forever. <laughs> so yeah, that was something. How much did that cost? $80. That's I tried really, to pay for I tried to pay for it with my insurance and the girl took my insurance and she took it into the back room and then she called another girl over and they both laughed at it. <laughs> I'm dead serious and then they called a guy over and the three of them laughed at it and then she took took came back out to me and was like no you can't pay with this do you think you bought some like fake scam insurance or something I have no idea well it covered I, the last Neve, luggage I, I, that your girlfriend had yeah that's yeah. true that's true but um that was my Japanese adventure now Neve, you don't have any embarrassing stories no because you're flawless yeah, yeah. Neve. you played destiny don't worry Brian I got this <laughs> Could you tell us if it's time you kissed the nun? Yeah. I'm from a very small Catholic town, which just has nuns roaming like... They're, they're like, like dogs. They're, they're like, still wild. <laughs> like fucking herons. Like, they just run the town. Like, they'd be, like, they walk up and down it, like, controlling it. <laughs> you know, Influencing, Catholic Ireland. influencing their, their grip. Um, but uh, I went to a convent, and when I went down to visit from college, I met one of the nuns that I used to, like, be friendly with, like, um, Sister, uh, <laughs> Sister Asantha. She was really old, <laughs> and she went to kiss me on the cheek after saying hello, and I went to kiss her in the cheek. But I'm very awkward with moving. <laughs> <laughs> So we met in the middle and we both kissed on the lips and she just looked into my eyes like I'd like, she, she was, she's in her late eighties and she's kissed a lesbian now and she's a nun. And I was like, oh, uh, and it was just really awkward. So she just dug into her purse and pulled out a fiver and gave it to me. <laughs> and she was like, cause you know, nuns just sometimes give you money in a wagon wheel. It was a thing. Sometimes I, I, orange. No one has ever done that. A, 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 a wagon wheel is a chocolate, just, yeah, just, yeah. just so people okay. know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. These, like, so she kind of, in her shock, didn't know what to do, so gave me a fiver and kind of like ran away. But uh, that like that was a really terrible day for her. Like it was really funny for me, I guess. It was <laughs> awkward. But... I'd love to kiss a nun. Do you think she was like, I can't believe I got to 80 years old without that happening? Yeah. Yeah. But maybe she was into it. Maybe the fiver was like, hey, good job. That was solid. Maybe. Maybe it was like. Good kisser. Before I go, like, this is. <laughs> this <laughs> is my I get one. to kiss you. This is my one saucy <laughs> moment. Um, uh, other than that, there is an awkward one, but like, it's not really. I went and got my hair cut. And I was going to tip my hairdresser and he kind of put up his hands to be like, whoa, awesome. But I took it as a hug. <laughs> And I went in, I hugged him. I don't know why. I don't know why you would hug your hairdresser. I wouldn't go back. Uh, no, I've never been. No, sure never, again. like, never again. I gave him that fiver and just left. 
Um, so they're my embarrassing moments, but I don't have too many. Honestly, I could, I could, I, I've landed myself in a lot of situations over the years, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna call it there. This podcast will never end. I'm really trying to think of my ones, but I don't have any good ones. See, John's are all like epic yeah. Iliad like style tales when it comes to embarrassing stories. See, for me, it was just like sending that text to my friend Peter's dad or something like that. Yeah. But that wasn't like super embarrassing. That, that was pretty embarrassing. It was, but like... You you didn't give a shit. <laughs> I, I, I totally would have. I, I would have really, died. I really, really don't give a shit most of the time. I think I think it's just a lot of mine are make... I make all these very small decisions to try and avoid them, but each one kind of steers me closer to the cataclysm. Fucking hell. <laughs> Fucking human disaster. I can't help it. And, like, the amount of times just weird... Like, you've been there with me, Brian, where, like, some fucking crazy person will just approach me and just be like, hey. <laughs> Do you remember that time we went to see an biscuit in London and we were in the queue and there was a guy, like, hanging around the queue giving out his albums, his rap albums, and he was like, hey, mate, you want to buy my rap album? I've only got two left. And you were like, no, nah, no, thanks. He's like, oh, it's £10, mate. Come on, mate. And you were like, no, thanks. And I was like, nah, man, we're cool. And then he just started rapping at John for about five minutes. <laughs> Did you say no after that? I didn't buy his album. I was just like, that was really good. And then I kind of looked at something and he looked at something and walked off. Like, that's how you get rid of them, John. Uh, it's not about getting rid of them. It's about not encountering them in the first place. That's the trick I've never mastered. That's why you're friends with us. Yeah. You're going to be like a beacon for this shit when we go to LA. Oh my god, you're going to be such a disaster there. Oh no. Like, someone's going to put you in a van and you're going to end up in like the new Ridley Scott film by accident. I keep thinking about, is my face being out for LA a bad thing? Nah. I think you just want to see what's going to happen. Yeah. I'm going to hype you up so much. Don't, Brian, don't do that. He's a good hype man. Yeah. We fought JonTron. On Twitter, and he won. I didn't fight John Tron on Twitter. The, the, that's, he did, that's, and he won. That's because the tweets are deleted now. That's not true. I never. Tw- I don't tweet at anyone. Yeah, you do. I just talk shit about him on the podcast. <laughs> it's real fun stalking John's Twitter. Why? I, Nothing I, happens. I just keep tabs on you. You always know when something's happened on Twitter. Every time, like, any... I have nothing to do. I'm just... I'm interested. Like, sometimes I stalk Neil, but it's just Neil complaining about stuff. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I'll just hear about that in the podcast. It's okay. That is accurate. How often do you enjoy people asking me what pro what editing program I use and me going Adobe Premiere? I think you have f- to make a fax. To to the people listening that are wondering, John loves receiving emails from you about your anime scripts. Hey, I mean, no, I, I don't mind it. Like people. If it's like short, I might read it, but I'm not going to read like a, a big long. I just don't have time. I got videos to make. I think you should read the 50 page manuscripts. Oh, no. No. But they wrote them for you. <laughs> I know. And do, you know do, do you remember the character Patchy? No, I do. That's very sweet. But I. I got... Look, this is going on too long. Loot drop segments. So my loot drop this week is going to be a video and it's, I think it's just, it's from this guy called Crobcat and it's called Mass Effect Andromeda, $40 million in three years, I think it's called. And it's just a collection of really amazing gifts. 
And, you know, I don't mean it in a mean-spirited way towards Mass Effect or anything. I just, I really love glitches. I love weird, fun stuff like this. And there's this amazing trailer at the end of it where they've recut, like, they've recut the Mass Effect trailer to glitches. It's beautiful. So that's my loot drop for the week. His, uh, his, his channel is usually really good for kind of best of, of like a gaming moment. Yeah. Like he's got a Switch video. He had loads of like Xbox videos from from before. Yeah, and I think he just gets other, just other clips from YouTube and just edits them together nicely. Yeah. It's just got re- it's just got really really good timing too. Yeah, it does totally. You? Um, I'm gonna give two. The first one is that folding ideas review of um, Fight Club because I think that was really interesting and we had a I, conversation about. I it. really want to see that. Um, the second one is Comic Book Girl 19 review of Logan. I completely disagree with her viewpoints on it, but I find the way... I found it interesting to listen... She's a super big fan of the comic X-Men, so I thought it was interesting to get her perspective of what she thought X-Men means and how Logan did or did not achieve that. Mm. Um, Don't agree with her, but she was emotional and it was cool, so... Mine is a dude called Entertain the Elk on YouTube who got recommended to me the other day, and it's a video on Saul Bass and his legacy and TV title sequences now. So he did the opening to Psycho. That's probably one of his most famous ones. Uh, Very, very simple graphic silhouettes. Very striking. Uh, But back in the 60s, this wasn't done. So he was pretty revolutionary. But title sequences like the opening to Mad Men and stuff like that being very, very much inspired by his his style. I'm going to drop one more. Um, I can't remember if I mentioned this last week or not. I don't think I did. But um, H-Bomber Guy, a favorite of ours, recently put out a video on pickup artists. <laughs> and it's the best thing he's ever done. And he's a very talented guy and you should go subscribe to him. It's utterly fucking hilarious. It's really good. Fuck yeah. yeah. That's it. Another one in the bag. Another one in the bag. 46. 46 fucking episodes. Can't believe we've sat down to do this 48 times. Oh, yeah, technically, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. if you count the other ones. Yeah, the secret ones. Back when we used to have four people on the podcast. <laughs> Let's leave it there and just let people wonder. I don't think we should talk about her. No, no, we shouldn't. Guys, thanks for joining us. Bye. Bye.